And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio and a very special Tuesday edition of the program. We will have weeks and months to continue talking about the Ravens losing the AFC Championship game. I'm good not doing that today. All due respect. Today, we continue an annual tradition here on GCR. It is our college lacrosse preview show as we will be chatting with the coaches of the 71 programs in the state of Maryland the men's D1 programs throughout the course of today's program. Our friend Patrick Stevens, who you normally hear with us on Tuesdays, talking college sports, is in studio. Good morning, sir. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Glenn. A uh, lot to do today, obviously, and we will start it off right out of the chute. First up on the hot seat is the head coach of the Loyola Greyhounds. He, of course, is my friend and uh, the man who I, I got to wonder if he's starting to second guess whether or not he really wants to keep me out there after the last couple of seasons, but... It's always a pleasure to welcome in Coach Charlie Toomey to the program. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, Glenn, you're always welcome I, uh, out here at Ridley. I, I appreciate No, I usually have to see you uh, post-game uh, over in the conference room, but uh, it's great to see you guys today for sure. It's it great. just means, you know, with the Ravens ending, it just means it's lacrosse season now. That is true. That is true. And you guys get things started Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock, over at Ridley Athletic Complex against Georgetown. So, I, you know, let's just dive into it, right? Like, a great start, obviously, a year ago. Tremendous wins. What? Then they had this weird sort of dip, only to rally tremendously well and come up just short of winning the Patriot League. Can you sort of take us back to a year ago and, and how you sort of decipher what happened with sort of such ebbs and flows during the course of the season? You know, that, that's obviously you do a lot of soul searching, um, you know, through the course of the uh, the summertime um, and then obviously through fall ball. And, you know, we just, we came out, we played with great energy. I don't think a, a lot was expected, you know, going into the year, uh, especially after the year Maryland had, you know, to, to finish off with a national championship and, you know, to open up at Ridley, um, I don't want to say we caught them off guard. We played really well. You know, we we played good, great, solid defense. I think we had a lot of guys on the offensive end that were getting their first minutes. And, um, you know, I think maybe, uh, you know, we just – we used the energy of Ridley to really propel us to a couple early season wins. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from what we were able to do against Johns Hopkins, but I will say that they were missing a couple guys that are sure. key players for themselves uh, when they came over here. And, um, you know, what happened was quite honestly, we have, we got two great wins under our, our belt and, uh, we went up to Rutgers and, you know, just lost a, uh, a tough battle, you know, to a Rutgers team that was, you know, very competitive, very, very good throughout the year. Um, and it rocked us a little bit, you know, again, our, our team was young. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of how you respond, um, you know, in those moments and, um, you know, we just didn't handle it as well as we would have liked to. You know, we talk about playing to a standard every day, and uh, I felt like we played with a lot of emotion. And when we played with that emotion, um, it really, you know, kind of propelled us to some some great wins. And I think we all saw how good Army was, you know, through the course of the year last year. That that was, uh, you know, that was a good. That's a great team that's really, you know, kind of put themselves, you know, in in a the upper echelon, in my opinion, of of our league and BU again, another very talented team. Our league is uh, is as competitive as it gets, and um, you know has the ability to win 
you know, outside of our league. So, um, you know, we kind of found our way a little bit late again, playing with some, uh, you know, playing with some confidence towards the end, um, going into the tournament and, and playing against a Navy team that we had lost to. Um, I thought we came out of that and felt pretty good about ourselves going up to BU, um, which in my opinion at that time was probably the class of our, of our league, uh, certainly offensively. And, um, and we were able to kind of come back from a large deficit, but, uh, you know, Army proved who they were and, and not only, you know, winning our league, but kind of going on and, uh, you know, and, and winning a couple, you know, beating a Maryland team and then, you know, going on deep into the uh, deeper into the playoffs. Charlie, when, when you look at the experience that you had last year, I feel like uh, it was a real significant growing year for Luke Stout, a guy that uh, played really well early on, um, obviously uh, was was. Uh, on the you know come up in a bench situation for a couple games and then came on strong uh, when uh, reinserted into the lineup. How did he kind of handle that year, and, and how do you see him kind of sizing sizing up him as as you head into this season? Yeah, I, I would tell you that I think that the goaltending position is is certainly a strength for us going into this year. We certainly see it as one uh, between. Um, you know, Max Watkinson and, and Luke Stout. Um, I will tell you that the uh, the team elected Luke as a captain. And so, uh, you know, she, he's got that, you know, confidence kind of going into practices and into games. Um, and we've seen him, you know, be stand out, be elite, um, you know, throughout this fall and certainly uh, into the spring. Um, so we're, we're real hopeful, you know, we're going to need Luke to be, to be, on his game every game because losing a Matt Hughes and losing a Cam Wires, you know, that's certainly, um, you know, an area where we're going to continue to need to develop um, and grow. And in some of these tough early season games, um, and you saw it with Maryland last year, you're going to have to rely on north of about 15 saves to be able to get some of these, uh, some of these wins under our belt. You uh, had the benefit for years of having the brother Savio at the faceoff dot, and a year ago Eric Pacheco kind of took that over, and you know ended up winning forty-two percent of his faceoffs. And I, I know that some, you and I talk about this sometimes, and it's not always just about the faceoff specialists. But how does that? I guess one is it definitively still Eric's job, and then two, how how do you between he and the wings make that number grow this year? Yeah, I've always kind of said, you know, in Steve Vakeness, we trust, we feel very strongly about our face-off coach and, you know, and even Matt Dwan, um, you know, kind of working with our wing play. Um, I would tell you that, you know, as a graduate student, Eric probably gets the first couple reps out there. But I would tell you also that we have a freshman who's come on and, and really competed. And, you know, that's a part of the game where, you know, I look at things defensively and I look at them from the goal out. I've got a face-off coach that I rely real heavily on to develop us there. And, you know, I think that's going to be a position where we need to continue to develop. Um, but the one thing that we have to do is to put ourselves in a position where if we are facing off at a 42% clip over the course of a game, maybe we've got to do some things a little bit differently, like force them back and maybe be a little more aggressive in our ride. Um, you know, take some chances somewhere else to get the ball back um, because you certainly hate to have a make it, take it situation, um, you know, which I think we were afforded a, a few times more than we were comfortable with yeah. last year. Uh, so, yeah, it's a work in progress for sure, but I, I've seen good good project, you know, projections that, that I think that he's going to be a little bit better this year. And, 
you know, anytime if you're north of 50, you're probably happy there. Charlie, a lot of familiar faces back at the offensive end this season. Adam Patra, Matthew Minicus, who had a fabulous year for you last year, Evan James, who came on strong, Davis Lindsay, Seth Higgins. It feels like there's a lot of established answers there. How has that group kind of been uh, able to figure things out throughout the fall and the preseason? And, and do you expect maybe a higher degree of cohesion, given all that experience that you have coming back, than maybe a year ago when maybe some guys were in some different spots or just new to the program altogether? Yeah, Pat, we were, we were just talking about it the other day. We have seven attackmen that have started games for us. Um, and, you know, obviously some of those guys have, have moved into the midfield, which kind of changes the dynamic. Maybe you're doing a little bit of inverting, bringing some guys out of the box. Uh, but that's our veteran side of the field for sure. And we need them, you know, to handle pressure. We need them to kind of steady us, you know, especially early in the games, get going to, to have a – you know, a little bit of some composure down there where maybe we can play with a lead defensively and not feel like we've got to, uh, you know, we've got to press from from that side of the field. Um, and I think I, uh, we've seen it. We've asked that group more so in practice than anything to to be game like and to really put our defense under the that stress that they're going to feel, you know, in, in in game on Saturdays. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys have a lot of minutes under their belt and we need them to be veteran this year. We need them to have that composure and to lead this team. You know, we're chatting with Charlie Toomey, Loyola lacrosse coach here in our annual college lacrosse preview show. Coach, you know, you lose uh, some significant pieces defensively, obviously, in Peyton and Cam. Uh, the, The name that jumps out at me would be Remington Reynolds, the transfer from Rutgers. I know he's played... Uh, both short stick and uh, long stick midfield? Do you have a role already kind of carved out for him moving forward? And why was someone that you he's someone that you guys targeted? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very it's it's hard for us to look into that portal like some other programs and and find a guy we can't we can't go after grad students. Um, Remy was a, a young man up at Rutgers that you know maybe wanted to come home maybe wanted to put the pole back in his hand and and not be a short stick okay. um and so we gave him the ability to do that and um and he has run with it to be truthful with you um i anticipate him you know being a starting close defenseman for us uh but he's also a guy like every kid that, at Rutgers that wants to run the field you know they want to play fast and um so similar to uh to guys that we've had in the past as long poles um he can handle the ball in transition uh, but we really need him to kind of use his competitive nature, uh, his footwork, his toughness, his, his IQ um, to help us and to play, you know, probably a lead dog on the uh, on our opponent, you know. But uh, we certainly, you know, it's been a couple years since he's been a close defenseman. Um, and so he's still learning, you know, to be in that new role. And uh, but we like what we're seeing. And, and you know, he'll uh, he's going to get a ton of reps down there for sure. You mentioned Rutgers as a team that likes to run. That's obviously been part of your program DNA for a long time now. Uh, do you anticipate that this is a team that can push transition maybe a little bit more than what we've seen over the last couple of years? Well, I think it starts in the goal, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to save the ball. You've got to pick the ball up off the ground to be able to do that. Um, you know, obviously there's another way, and that's kind of going forward from the X. Um, you know, so we have to – what I've challenged them to do is we can't stop the ball. we got to save the ball. we got to catch it. You know, and that gives you the ability, right, to just kind of get over the top. Um, we've challenged our guys in in those phases, right? Like we call it green. We want to get the odd man break. We want to push it forward. But if we're not able to, then 
can we play a little bit faster, you know, off of the end line after a shot, you know, with our attack? Um, being, again, that they're veteran, are we able to do things a little bit more quickly rather than to have to settle in and get into the last 15 seconds of a shot clock? Can we get it? Can we get north of 40 shots a game? And uh, and that's what we have saw this fall. Uh, that's what we're certainly, you know, hopeful of doing through the spring. Coach, you know, I, I think you and I talked about this. Like, do you get a sense for before a season how ready a team is, like from from a leadership aspect, from a mental aspect? Like, it, you know, guys, you guys are taking some lumps the last couple of years. Do you get a sense for how driven they are to say we're the team that's going to, you know, get back to the sort of Loyola standard of competing for championships? I think every team's different, right? Like they, they just. They develop uh, through the course of the year. You look at who the the guys elect as leaders, as captains, um, and yes, it's a proud group of guys. You know, we recruited them here when they got here. You know, Pat Spencer was was part of our locker room, right? And we were going to quarterfinal games, and you know, going back to to a quarterfinal game without Pat, you know, was something that you know Evan James was a big part of. K- Joey Kamish was a big part of, right? And and so um, those guys have kind of been helping me to lead that conversation of you know what is the Loyola standard? And our standard is that we're going to play the toughest possible schedule that we can play on the front end, in hopes that it prepares us for the league. But the league is the way to the tournament, and we have to get back to you know competing at a really high level in our league. So you know that's the first way into the tournament is to win your league for sure. When you kind of look at the the COVID era, which you know this is kind of the last year where you where a lot of schools have kind of larger rosters, larger senior classes, and whatnot. What what are kind of your takeaways as to you know what the challenges have ultimately been in terms of navigating it from a roster construction and a program perspective? You know, the first thing I would say is when I look at the COVID era, um, I couldn't be more proud that we haven't lost kids to other programs, right? Like our kids have that extra year mm-hmm. of eligibility. I think it says a lot, you know, that we have eight graduate students that that have stayed at Loyola, have the ability to go a lot of places. Um, and it just means to me that our culture is strong, right? So so that's number one. But I would say number two, the managing a larger um you know, roster is just something that every program has had to do because I can't look at the kids that were part of those programs that, you know, the part of that year that lost and said, and, and just say, hey, we're ready to move on. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, 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 I feel very compelled that, you know, being the last year um, to, to, you know, do the right thing by anybody that's in our locker room. Um, and, what it's challenge the biggest challenge for me is that I'd love to see some of our seniors be captains and be outspoken in the locker room. And I think that, you know, that part of it has been been missed a little bit, you know. Uh, but I think like every team, you have a depth chart, you have a roster, and the best guys play, you know. And so I don't care if it's a Matt Minicus who starts as a freshman in in a five class locker room or if it's, you know, a graduate student who's getting his first minutes, and we've had both. Um, you know, I think that uh, the guys reckon they want to win and they put the team first. Um, and, you know, we're still at 52. I mean, I, you know, if we have 50 lockers. We, we're two over. So it might mean smaller classes. But this year, between our fifth years and our graduates, um, we're going to have a lot of young men that are that are leaving our locker room this year. And there are going to be a lot of new opportunities next year. But that's that's what we're going to deal with next year. Right. So the classes, you know, have been a little bit bigger for the future. But, um, 
you know, and, and plenty of opportunities will be out there in the future. But I'm going to enjoy our eight graduate students plus our senior class this year. All right. Before we let you go, the uh, of course, the big change in the sport this year, the introduction of replay. Um, have you guys worked on what that's going to look like for you? I don't know if it's something that, that in the regular season is going to impact you as much. I don't. I assume you're not going to like turn up and look at me up in the booth and say, "Hey, man, should we?" I don't think that's the way it's going to go, right? It's... I could, you know, everything's on the table right now, Glenn. You just kind of hang out that window, give me a thumbs up or down, right? right. Um, let you let you know. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, the one thing that you probably do is you'd never like to show an opponent's goals, you know, on your scoreboard, and maybe you have to start showing <laughs> your opponent's goals to give yourself a quick a quick look at it. Um, you know, at some point, do we get to a point where? You know, we've got a former coach that's kind of a volunteer that's up there seeing it from a bird's eye view and, you know, texting you like it's it's coming. Right. And um, but I think the biggest challenge for all of us as coaches is what's reviewable, what's not reviewable in that heat of the battle. Um, we've tried to do it with score break, but quite honestly, we've got to wait till we've got ESPN games at home with different multiple camera angles that it's really going to be baptism by fire. Right. And 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 every program and every coach is going to have their own philosophy of how they want to do that, whether or not you're willing to burn a timeout for something that's a question mark. Right. So um, my personal feeling is I wish it was only in the playoffs, but we're dealing with it right now and we'll see what it looks like. All right. I'll uh, I, I, you know, I don't I don't know what the rules are, so I don't even know if I'm allowed to give you the thumbs up, thumbs down. But we'll work on that. <laughs> you and I will figure that uh, we'll figure that out as the season goes on. Season gets exactly. underway Saturday, 1 o'clock against Georgetown. Huge game, obviously, to start the season, as always, for Loyola. Coach Charlie Toomey, always appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time for us, and we'll see you out there, all right? Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Charlie Toomey, head coach at Loyola. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Thumbnail for you on Loyola, and then we'll kind of preview the rest of the show. You know, I think after the last couple of years, and even going back to 21, remember that was a team had to put a late had rally to put, together. Had to put yeah. a late rally together. This has not been the, the smoothest stretch for Loyola, and I feel like, you know, there's probably a little bit, and I'm guilty of this for sure, in those last few years where there was a little bit of benefit of the doubt given to Loyola. And, and I don't know, I think they might have exhausted that a little bit, and that just makes this the perfect time for Loyola to go out and have a good season, right? right. Like to, Nobody expects You know, it, yeah. where it's not quite as expected. There's obviously opportunities, as we've talked about, for them to go get high-end wins. You look at that non-conference schedule. Uh, but, you know, they're going to score. Like, they have the pieces to be able to score. The question is, how quickly does the defense come together in front of Luke Stout, and can they win enough face-offs? You look at the league that they're in, in the Patriot League, you know, I feel like Army is in really good shape. They only lost, yeah. I think, six guys to graduation last year, and, and some of those guys didn't play particularly huge roles on the field. Um, BU has a lot of fifth-year guys. But, you know, we saw Loyola win at BU at the end of last year. Uh, and this is a, a Loyola team that's a little bit older in some places as well. So I think, you know, I know when I was stitch, helping to stitch together the lacrosse magazine rankings, I had them just on the outside of the top 20. And if you were to tell me right now that Loyola ends up like in the 10 to 12 range, would not be surprised because sure. I think the pieces are there for that to happen, especially if the close defense is able to mature quickly, which it very well may. All right. Uh, we are going to be chatting, as I mentioned at the top of the show, with all of the D1 men's coaches in the state of Maryland. 
just quick like quick hitters on storylines for everybody it's that throughout the course of the morning all right well we've already talked about Loyola obviously I think Hopkins they're the hunted now yep. a little bit you know yep. like there's no no everybody expects them to be good again and they had a little bit of a, a stretch there where that wasn't the case so I think that's the case for them Mount St. Mary's uh, a team uh, that has a new coach for the first time in almost 30 years uh, and so what does Chris Ryan coming in from Mercyhurst where he won a D2 title had the Lakers in the D2 final last year you know what does that mean overall I, I think it's more of a big picture type of season for Mount St. Mary's more so than you know what, what's their record this particular year uh, you look at Navy you know last year I felt like was a little bit of a prove it year for them and, and you know, be, for a variety of reasons, injuries, what have you, maybe didn't prove as much. They've got something to prove. You know who else has something to prove? Dave Cottle, who's mm-hmm. in as the interim, mm-hmm. you know, as the offensive coordinator for the season. You know, I don't think he's there just to, you know, just to, you know, twiddle his thumbs or whatever. I, I think, I think Dave back he in the doesn't co- need to do this. He doesn't. Right. He does not need to do this. So, uh, you know, and I had a good conversation with Dave last week. He's still, he's still the same as ever. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think that for him. You know, this is an opportunity to be able to. You know, and he 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 knows Joe Amplo very well uh, from their time. Uh, basically, Dave was a consultant on Marquette's coaching search huh. when they started the program, huh. and they settled on Joe Amplo. So, uh, Towson. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a team that uh, when you look at it, a lot of questions at the defensive end, they're a little older on the offensive end, need, need a new goalie, set at the faceoff. You know, is that a team that can get itself back? You know, maybe, you know, maybe they're not going to be Delaware um, or beat Delaware for that matter, but can they be like the second best team and get in the CAA and give themselves a chance? I think that's plausible. Maryland, uh, a team that last year, you know, did not catch all the breaks. You know, it certainly wasn't a juggernaut like it was the year before, had a bunch of injuries. You know, how do they look on the offensive end? And they have a new offensive coordinator, Mike Phipps, stepping in uh, for Jake Bernhardt. Uh, And then UMBC, uh, plenty of questions there, a team that missed the America East Tournament, as I recall, last year. Uh, And so, you know, how do they get back into the mix contending for an NCAA tournament berth and a conference title? So that's what's coming up throughout the course of the morning as we continue to talk. And um, I mentioned, obviously, with the coach that also today um, we'll probably cover with everybody a couple things. Patrick, you know, mentioned the fact that we're finally kind of coming out on the other side of um, the, the COVID year and the impact that that had and the extra years the players had. And then on top of that, um, this is the, the first year for replay. This mm-hmm. is the first year that um, there will be, and it, I, I, I know that the push was to have it for the NCAA tournament, and Charlie Toomey brought that up, but it will be available for every game where there is a broadcast for coaches to use cha- the challenge system. I think it's one per half, correct? I think that's right. So it'll be interesting to see what impact. We've had some high-profile situations where there are some questionable calls in NCAA tournament games. Mm -hmm. Was something a goal? Was it not a goal? I think that's the biggest reason why we're at this point. Um, I I think it's a simple thing to say, hey – Let's let's try to make sure we get the calls yeah. right. If you ha- if you have it available to you, why not use it? Yep. At the same time, I, I completely understand the argument of if all you've got is one camera angle and it's five stories up or whatever. Yep. Is it going to be? You're you're in a situation there where you're simply going to only be in a position to overturn the most egregious things because yep. there's only so much you're going to be able to pick up from an angle like that. Let's continue on here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Next on the hot seat, he is the head coach at Johns Hopkins. He's Coach Peter Milliman, and he's back with us now here on the program. 
Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick Stevens. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Coach, you know, obviously, I know a, a year ago, very exciting for everybody at Johns Hopkins. And while it wasn't a national championship, um, was this always building? Like, when we look back and sort of dissect, if I said, hey, how did that happen a year ago? Would you say that was, you know, it just takes a couple of years in order to get the foundation of the program that you want? Or were there specific moments, specific you know, players' arrival, something like that that you look back on and say, hey, this was really foundational in how we were able to get things turned around? Um, I mean, I guess in, in reference to last year, I think there was there was some significant contributions from, uh, from, from a senior class that I thought it was pretty special. Um, I think there was a lot of guys, uh, you know, that, that, you know, maybe saw things coming or, or things starting to, to line up. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was, you know, part of the process is part of the build. And, and, you know, the guys that were coaching here this year are excited to, uh, to get this thing started with, uh, the 2024 Jays. And, uh, I think they're all feeling pretty excited about that. Peter, I know uh, one of the big additions for you guys, Chase Erlen, uh from Cornell in the cage. I know you had a pre-existing relationship with him, recruiting him to Cornell. Uh, just you know, what's the excitement level adding him, and, and how quickly uh, upon uh, you know knowing that he was going to look to play an extra year, uh, were you in contact with him about potentially becoming a Blue Jay? Uh, I, I called him as soon as he went in the portal, and we just started having a conversation about uh, – but this is an opportunity. We have uh, an education program here. He he is interested in being an educator and 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 a coach and a teacher, and he's just been uh, you know always on that path since the day I met him. And so this just seemed to uh, to be a good opportunity uh, for him in his career path. And and he had another year of eligibility, and and you know obviously getting a chance to reconnect and and you know uh, bringing him here has been uh, has been exciting um, you know addition. So you know we're just we're looking forward to uh, to to compete together what makes him so special as a player coach uh he's competitive uh he's a phenomenal teammate i think the guys really enjoy being around him uh working with him uh you know he, he's he's obsessive about uh about the work he just loves it he loves being out there um he's an energy guy so he's always bringing that uh uh you know you can hear him i can if you turn your mics up you can probably hear him uh your headphones so he's he's around here somewhere talking um <laughs> So he's uh, he's just one of those guys that get, you know he's an enjoyable guy to have on a team and and uh, and he works his butt off and so he, he's you know um, you know endears himself to his teammates pretty well. Coach Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins is with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, you um you, you know mentioned some of the seniors last year. You guys bring back a lot of that offense, and I I just I I know that some of that year every team is different, every year is different. But is there a bit of a hey? We're gonna we have confidence that we're gonna be capable in scoring goals because of some of the guys that are back this year, the Dagnons, the you know Melendezes, those players that like you just have an, an uber confidence in what you're gonna be capable of doing offensively. Uh, I think there's definitely a belief uh, in that. Um, you know, confidence comes from a certainty, and and we haven't done anything yet this year, so I don't think that. Uh, you know, anybody's getting uh, overconfident about anything that we're doing. We're just, uh, you know, we're excited to get to work together. I mean, having some some pieces back for consistency and some experience, you know, plays a big part. But, 
you know, we, we, we got to score one goal against Denver before we score right. anything else. So um, I think just staying focused on, on one thing at a time, what's, what's right in front of us and um, you know, keeping the guys hungry for, uh, for another one after, after one falls. Peter, the, the, the defense obviously uh, also emerged as a strength last season, and a couple guys that are back back there uh, include uh, Scott Smith on close, Brett Martin at short stick. Uh, those two guys in particular, but the unit in general, what do you feel like uh, those guys' greatest strengths are for you? I mean, similar to what I mentioned about Chase. I mean, they're just ultra-competitive guys. They work their butts off. Um, you know, Coach K is as thorough as they get when it comes to a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he's going to have those guys dialed in with the right stuff. He's going to have everything prepped the right way um, and, and give the guys an opportunity to just go just go after it and, and compete and play. And I think that's where they want to be. Um, you know, trying not to get them too bogged down in system stuff and allow them to just be athletes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great group. We're excited to be working with them. Um, you know, I, I think there's, again, similar to the offensive end, there's some known pieces there that we've worked with for a while, but, um, you know, as of right now, we haven't, uh, we haven't done anything yet. So we're, we're just excited to get started. You, uh, you mentioned obviously the season gets underway Saturday at noon against Denver there at Homewood field. Coach, um, you, you guys brought in what was lauded as one of the top recruiting classes in the country. Can you give us an idea of among the young guys who stood out that you feel like is going to have an opportunity to get some minutes early? Uh, there's a few guys probably in the mix. Um, I don't know how many of them are, are definite yet. Um, you know, young defenseman Quentin Kilrain has been really good. Um, Hunter Chevette and, uh, and Jimmy Ayers have been in the mix so far. Um, I think there's a few others that are close. Luke Martin's in the mix uh, as a backup pole. Um, so I, I, you know, I think there's a few others that uh, that may continue to uh, to work their way in. But you know, we got a lot of returners, a lot of upperclassmen, so it's not an easy lineup to crack. So I'm not sure any of those soft, uh, freshmen are going to start a game. But right. uh, I, I think those ones have, have proven that they have the ability to be uh, in that conversation. The schedule this year, obviously, a lot of those rivalry games, I think about the Carolina and Virginia games that you had to play midweek because of the ACC scheduling issues now on the weekend. How, how beneficial do you think that's going to be for you guys, basically being into a more routine once a, one game a week, especially those sorts of games on the weekend rather than on short prep, when, when you get to them, obviously? Um. I mean, they, they probably will help you in those games. Uh, sometimes I think those those shorter weeks or the, the, the doubled-up weekends can help you in the long run. Um, so I, I think there's a benefit to all sides of it. But, uh, you know, I mean, we're looking forward to playing those rivalries, um, you know, where, wherever they are. Uh, you know, last week, last year we had to, to put them on weekdays and, and uh, you know, I wasn't uh, afraid of it or worried about it. That, you know, it didn't, it didn't go our way in some of those instances, but, uh, you know, you, you're going to play those top teams wherever you can, whenever you need to. So, um, you know, I think a week of prep may may help us, uh, but who knows? I mean, we got to get there first. So um, if we're not playing well, it may not help us. So, Oh, I get it, and I certainly get the value, too, of, you know, you got to play the Big Ten tournament, the you know, NCAA championship weekend and quick turnarounds. And so I certainly see where there could be advantage on the other side. With, with that in mind, Coach, the, the difference between – being a good team and a team that had a nice season and then taking that next step and getting back to championship weekend and, and trying to win a title. Do you have a sense for what would be needed? What's the difference in being good and being championship level good? 
Uh, I think there's a few pieces in that equation. Um, I'm not going to uh, be foolish enough to think that I know uh, all of what they are. Um, I just want to make sure that we're getting the best out of our guys every day in practice and we're continuing to build. I think if we're going to be uh, an elite team and be somebody that can champ- that can uh, compete for championships, um, we're going to have to be competitive in every facet of the game. And I don't think you get to that point uh, by riding one or two you know, uh, strengths or, uh, or one or two players. Um, you know, we need to be uh, a possession oriented team. We need to be disciplined in our execution. Um, we need to be, you know, tough on defense. Um, you know, we need to fight like crazy for loose balls. Um, there needs to be a belief and a confidence in the guys, uh, in what we're doing. Um, but, uh, you, you know, really, I just think there needs to be a hunger to get better in everything we're doing and, and never be satisfied with where we are. And, and if we start with that, I think, you know, the formula can, can sort itself out with, with, you know, how our attributes, uh, you know, come into form. You know, Patrick and I were talking just before you came on about the fact that um, the, the new rule this year and finally having replay and coaches challenges, um, presumably a bit of advantage for a program like Johns Hopkins, considering you've got all the ESPN broadcasts and uh, probably a little bit better angles. Have you gotten a sense for, what that might look like, how you decide in certain situations, what's what's worth it, what's not worth it. Um, I, I don't know if you guys even used it. Did you use it for the scrimmages so far? No, and I'm not entirely sure yet uh, how much it will even be used this year. I mean, okay. it's, it's just kind of come on so late. Um, the Big Ten has decided not to do it. Uh, so it's it's hmm. more of a, a, a team-by-team basis. So we need to go into each game figuring out who's who's planning on doing it at their home field. Um, you know, whether we're going to or not. And so those are just, uh, you know, things that are not uh, fully answered yet, as, as odd as that is. Well, um, the good news, we got plenty of time before the games start, yeah. right? Like, no problem. Yeah, plenty of time. I, I can tell you right now, if I look at my schedule, I don't know who is going to have replay on their in their stadium or not. So, okay. Um, it'll it'll probably be more of a week-by-week thing. Obviously, it will be helpful, though, if, by the time you get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, we get get some practice at it before we get there for sure. Yeah. But um, having the Big Ten decide not to do it is 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 kind of an impact in in when it comes to that. So no I, I think there's. I would be surprised if every other team is is going to do it because there's just such a a, a big cost mm-hmm. uh, you know component to it, and and then there's the consistency of it. If you're going to do it three times throughout the year, is it worth it for those as much as the rest of them? Um, I think it would be for us to get the experience of it, but. Um, you know, if you're only going to do it for a couple of games, you want to make sure that you're uh, you're you're building for for knowns that uh, that you can work around all year long. Completely understand. All right, Saturday, everything gets underway out at Homewood Field, and then as uh, Patrick brought up, there is a midweek game next week uh, against uh, Towson, four o'clock on Tuesday as well. So a couple of great opportunities to see the Blue Jays early on at home. Coach Peter Milliman, really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing your team throughout the course of the season. Thanks for spending some time with us today. You got it. Thanks for having me, guys. It's Coach Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins. That's uh, that is. I didn't know that the Big Ten wasn't using. I didn't either, actually. So that's quite fascinating, right? Well, if the Big Ten's not using it, yeah. then that basically only leaves one league that's likely to use it, right? right? The ACC, like, yeah. And and that's you know they'll obviously have pretty much all their games on TV, but if they don't use it, then. Your what, ascent, what was what, the point? What was the, what was the point? What was you the know? point? I'm going to continue I, I, to ask I, the coaches I'm, about I'm it. Su- I am surprised that the Big Ten would do that only to the extent that you have you have three of the programs, right. Hopkins, Maryland, and Rutgers, playing in football stadiums. And so 
for certainly Rutgers and Maryland, the equipment is almost certainly all, there, already yeah. there to begin with. Um, so maybe that's something that um, there was a reluctance to force everybody to invest with a smaller stadium. And, th- and that's no knock on, on right, anybody right. else. Um, but I think in some ways, if, if that's the case, then you're essentially getting what you wanted out of the rule to begin with, which is you just want to have it in the postseason. Like you don't want you don't want a tournament game being decided, uh, or decided by a bad call, like a blatantly bad call. But it, but it also seems like it sets up for there might be an occasion this season where somebody's asked, "Hey, why didn't you challenge That's that?" And cer- the coach says, I, "I couldn't," or "or I didn't think we were," or mm-hmm. something. I thought for this game we were. That was that would be even worse, well, right? Would be, like maybe a, they wouldn't say that. I, sus- I, yeah. sus- I suspect that everybody's going to be aware. Yeah, going into each going game. Going into of, each game. So th- whether they could or not, that would that would surprise me, especially yeah. given how detail-oriented coaches That's tend fair. to be. That's fair. Um, but at the same time, that, that tells me that you know we're probably a few years away. And, and frankly, you know, a lot of technological stuff gets cheaper as time goes yep. on. So yep. it, we're probably... Well, and I, I think it was interesting you pointed out the timing of it, that mm-hmm. like maybe if they had, hey, we're going to implement this, but for next year... Mm-hmm. That buys everyone the time to say, hey, we, we all need to get compliant about this. Yeah. Everybody's got to get and, on board. And, and this isn't as, as simple as a shot clock. Like, right. A shot clock is essentially you install an extra clock. For all, and you need and, to have somebody to operate. operate it. Right. But, but it's not, yep. it is not It is not a particularly complex thing. Yes. It's not, it's not ex- super expensive. It's not, it's not cheap, mm-hmm. but it's not super expensive equipment or anything like that. And it's the sort of equipment that you figure... A shot clock is a shot clock. Like you're going to keep the shot clock for the foreseeable future, Correct. right? Um, if you have it as separate from your from your scoreboard, um, this is stuff you're probably going to buy and might have to update again in another five to ten years as technology advances and you know the visual displays improve and what have you. I do think it also it it to the point, it sets up for the more awkward like. There's an obvious call. Mm-hmm. We implemented a replay rule, and we can't use because it. Because there's no replay. We can't fix the problem because we decided we weren't doing it. Like, just it feels like there might be some controversy along those lines. Well, that comes the good, up the, good the, thi- the, year. the good thing is, is it's like it's like any other sport, right? Like more people are paying attention during the postseason. That's true. And so yes. the people that are watching during the regular season of just about any sport that isn't professional football, right? Are probably more, you know, granular, more into the into the weeds of a situation. Um and then in the postseason you get people that frankly don't pay attention to it that much. They're like, why can't why can't you do this? And it's like basic questions, right? Yep. Uh same thing here. And so I, I think one of the things you get here is you just you just have to kind of you know, at least pacify that so you don't get screamed at when a championship is on. Right. Hey, uh, Goose Flights Lager is available, and another location where you can find Goose Flights Lager cans as the Green Turtle in Canton now has cans available. Uh, Cans also available at uh, your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Cans and six-packs available at Costas Inn in Dundalk, Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North, and also six packs and cases available at the wine source in Hamden. We are adding to the list. If uh, you've forgotten any of those already, you can go to pressboxonline.com/gooseflights. 
Um, it's great beer, but more importantly, uh, 198 from every can sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation, which is providing non-emergency medical transport to those in need, continuing the legacy of Tony Siragusa. So again, find out more, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights, and enjoy a Goose Flights this week. When we come back in, the uh, first-year head coach at Mount St. Mary's, the only new coach that we're going to chat with all morning, Chris Ryan will join us. Then we'll chat with uh, Sean Nadlin from Towson. That's on the way. College Lacrosse Preview Show with Patrick Stevens here on Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. Fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels. Heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual best of issue. On the cover, we celebrate Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and the Orioles as our Team of the Year. With Stan the Fan Charles and Glenn Clark sitting down with Hyde to discuss his role in creating the culture that defined the Orioles' magic season. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2023. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Terps, and O's at PressBoxOnline.com. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. Back in here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show, Glenn Clark Radio, Patrick Stevens in studio with us this morning as we continue to uh, chat with all the Division I men's lacrosse coaches uh, throughout the course of the state. And Patrick, only one that is a first-year head coach 
And this is my first opportunity to catch up with him as the new head coach out in Emmitsburg at the Mount is Coach Chris Ryan, who is with us this morning here on GCR. Coach, it's uh, Glenn and Patrick Stevens. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Always always good to uh, get on here and talk about the Mount and Mount Lacrosse. Well, Coach, you know, I, I have not had the opportunity to chat with you since you took the job. I, I think the thing that jumped out at me is it seems obvious your relationship with your athletic director, Brad Davis, that goes back to your time together. Were there other things that said to you, like, the Mount is the place? It, it, it seems so obvious, like, to reconnect with somebody. But were there some other things that you said, hey, also, this mattered to me significantly as well? Yeah, I think I think there was um, a number of different factors that played into our, you know, mine and my family's decision making process with making the move down to the mount after after 23 years, you know, up in Erie at at, at Mercier. So, you know, I, I think one, uh, Brad absolutely played a, a large part um, in giving me the confidence to come down. Uh, one of the things I love though is, you know, I I worked at a small Catholic university for 23 for two decades. So I was pretty comfortable with the surroundings. Um, I was comfortable too that when I when I looked at the at the situation and made an assessment of the of the program, I just felt that there was a really high ceiling. Like I, I thought that there was a lot of room for growth at the mount. Um I, you know, once I got on campus, I you know, I learned that the locker room was full of really good student athletes. So that gave me a, a lot of confidence also. Uh, but just sort of this this uh, overwhelming feeling that we could we could push this thing a little bit further here. Um, and you know, I said as a coach, I've been really fortunate to have been able to experience success uh, you know, on the field in my profession. And I wanted to go somewhere where I felt I could be competitive and that the team and that the team was going to be competitive. And I thought it was a great uh, conference to be in. I thought that there, like I said, that there was a really high ceiling and there was just a, a lot that we could accomplish here. Chris, it's uh, Patrick Stevens. Uh, to build off of the, the thought of, you know, the really high ceiling, what, what do you see as the potential uh, at the Mount? Like you said, you know, in, in a league that, that I think it's fair to say that, that the Mount ha- has had success in in the past, uh, back in the Metro Atlantic, but but also uh, geographically situated in a spot where, where you're pretty close to a lot of talent as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's – where my vision for for the program is is pretty simple because I, I don't think I'm an overcomplicated uh, person. Although my wife would probably disagree with that assessment, but um, you know, when, again, when 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 taking a look at the program, and you mentioned Patrick, you 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 mentioned a couple of the different factors. I see us uh, being able to grow this thing into a into a you know a top. 30, 25 program to be able to compete on a yearly basis in the MAC for the MAC championship. You know, I, w- I would love to say we'd, we would like to win it every year. I don't know if it's going to work out that way. Um, but to be ultra competitive within the conference and to sort of get the mount, um, you know, into 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 more of the forefront, especially in the area. You know, one, one of the things that uh, Brad said to me when 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 the hire was made was this is a Division One men's lacrosse program in the state of Maryland, and it needs to be important. Uh, so the school has has made up has made a push into the program. Uh, you know, Brad being of a huge supporter of of, of lacrosse, uh, immediately again I think he also saw the 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 ceiling and the potential, and 
you know, the school has made a significant uh, investment in a program. We look forward to, like I said, pushing this thing forward. Coach, you know, before we, we get into your roster this season, what to expect from your team, I got to be honest, as I look at you, I'm a little bit disappointed that you're not wearing the shirt and tie as we do this uh, conversation. Can you tell me the history? I, I thought you just had some overblown thing that I might be better looking than I actually am, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Like, maybe it's just stunning getting on this. So, like, oh, so, like, so can, can you give me the story? About, I, I, first of all, is it going to continue right at the mound? And what's the story behind the shirt and the tie on the sidelines? Yeah, it's going to continue. It's part of it's part of who I am. Um, the tie was given to me by my by my parents years ago, and it was with me for all, almost all you know all my time at uh, at Mercyhurst. So the 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 tie, um, we'll have to we'll have to see if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go at the same tie. But the the tie was. Uh, supposedly blessed by a bishop, and we won a lot of games at Mercyhurst Make, with it. So if it ain't makes broke, sense, a hundred percent. Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, agree more. you know, we with uh, with getting this thing up and running and being at the mount, we need we 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 need uh, we need that help on our side. So we'll 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 see how it goes. Um, yeah, it it started off as uh, to tell you the truth, I'm a Michigan fan, but I always liked Jim Tressel's sweater vest at Ohio State. Okay. So. At first, it was a sweater vest, and then I just couldn't stick with it because it was Coach Trestle's idea. <laughs> so then, it, then it got stripped down to uh, to just the tie. But yeah, it's um, uh, I, th- I think I put on a little weight while recruiting here and working here, so I got to get out and get a new white shirt this year. But Brad, Brad asked uh, two days ago. I was on the phone with Brad, and Brad goes, "Sticking with the shirt and tie." And I said, "Yeah, Brad, I'm sticking with the shirt and tie." He goes, awesome. "Oh, good." So yes. Saturday at Navy, I'll, I'll have the shirt and tie. <laughs> how have uh, how have your typical days gone since since arriving at the Mount back in the summer? Yo, I don't know, Pat, because I don't know when one started and one's ended. To tell you <laughs> the truth, it's been one big blur. People ask me how it's going. I said I'm working. I'm working late and putting on weight. That's that's how it's going right now. So. I mean, typically with with Coach Dugan and Coach O'Hagan and Coach Murphy, um, it has been a lot of hours. There's a there's a lot of different, we'll say, facets of the program right now that are, that are under development, and we are working pretty hard. It's been it's been a lot of hours. My my family, Karen and the kids, are actually still up in Erie for the year, as my oldest is a senior in high school. And I've made the comment, like, I, I really think that's probably best at this point because all the hours that we're sinking into um, the program as a whole. So it, it's been I'm, I'm running on fumes this morning. I, I got home about 1130 last night and, you know, you just sort of roll out of bed and it's Groundhog's Day and it starts all over again. You get in there and you just keep working. Um, so that's, you know, we, we knew coming in. Um, that there was going to, you know, a lot of, a lot of time and sweat equity was going to be, was going to be required here. And, you know, as a, as a staff, we're, we're, uh, we're definitely working hard. He is coach Chris Ryan from Mount St. Mary as they open up the year Saturday at noon at Navy. Um, coach, you know, it's a different era, right? In college sports. And so when you get a job like this, I don't know how much you felt the need to like re-recruit some of your guys, um, but it, it wasn't, I don't think it was a covered bear situation. It was a pretty good team a year ago. What did you make of the roster? I, I think the guy that stands out to a lot of people, uh, Mitchell Dunham, who you bring back defensively and how important was it for you to make sure that you sort of had that stalwart on the defensive side? Yeah. You know what? Like 
we we have lost quite a bit on the offensive side of the ball, and there's going to be some development that's going to be that's going to be going on there. So you're going to have to lean um, on your experience. And right now, you know, with with Mitch and Jackson Phillips and Ben Ward, um, you know, back there, th- that gives you three pretty experienced guys uh, to lean on. I think very much so when you look at the roster. Um, not that it makes it any different than any other situation at any other school, but I think particularly this year with some of the changes that are going on in the, and, and uh, the growth, you know, you're going to lean on your older guys uh, to get the job done. And, you know, especially offensively, you know, you have some guys coming back, but we have some older guys who are newer uh, guys that maybe haven't logged a whole lot of time on the field during games and again, they're going to find themselves in a leadership responsibility, you know, position pretty early here. So there, there's a, it, you know, I, I say this is a process with these guys. Um, I love the roster. Team GPA was a three-five. They're doing a lot of great things uh, here, and I hope it translates into success on the on the, on the field. But it definitely helps sort of having that the spine of the team and the defensive end. And we're gonna we're gonna be counting on those guys early on with some of the. Uh, with some of the great competition we're going to run into, you know, front on the front part of the schedule. Chris, uh, you've worked with the Water Dogs in the PLL the last few years. Uh, how much has that sort of improved you as a coach and and maybe changed or altered or adjusted kind of things you approach uh, during the college season? Yeah, interesting question. Because um, coaching with the Water Dogs is much different than coaching uh, in, in at the collegiate level. You know, at the collegiate level, you're looked at a lot of times they have all the answers. Mm-hmm. With, with the water dogs, it's just sort of giving a suggestion and letting those guys run with it. I mean, I remember once at a timeout telling the guys, I'm like, listen, you got you got some of the best defensive players in the world in this huddle. Like, just go play lacrosse uh, with it. Uh, but I can tell you, I think one of the things that, that it's really helped me with um, is sort of relationship building with, um, with my players. Because at that level – you know, you are building relationship with those guys. It's, it's more, it's, it's, it's very much on that. Um, not to use the word level again, but I, yeah, on that, on that level with the water dog defense, um, because those guys are very well versed and very talented and super athletic. So it's more, it's more, it's more or less getting to know them. And like I said, having a, a, a relationship with them where you're making suggestions and really letting them make the final decision on what they want to do. It's hard, it's hard to tell Dylan Ward what you what you're gonna do in front of him. Dylan's gonna tell you what he wants done in front of him. Uh with it. So when it comes to uh you know at the collegiate level, I no, I think it has sort of loosened me up a little bit with the guys. I think over the last couple of years, I don't know if it's just becoming older and a little more experienced, but I, I have felt myself sort of calm down a little bit. Uh with it. Plus, I mean, if I kept the pace up I was at, I, I don't think I was gonna live very long, to tell you the truth. So <laughs> Just being able to to be comfortable with your surroundings, uh, have have confidence in the kids that you're putting out on the field, and letting them make plays, and again developing those those uh, relationships on and off the field that are going to make for a good culture. And then, what about just the difference in the the jump from the D two level? D like, is it still the same job? Like, do you still say I'm a lacrosse coach, right? It's it's, or or is it dramatically different making that type of jump? No, it, you know what? I'll equate it to being at the first Water Dogs camp and we scrimmaged the Redwoods and Miles Jones came running down the sideline directly at me. 
And I was like, wow, this is a yeah, lot it's a different. different than yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going back to the last question, I mean, very much going and working with the water dogs. I had told Brad at the time when we were at Mercier that it was going to be the, the greatest internship that I've ever had. And there was an adjustment period. Um, again, you're adjusting to the type of coaching that you're going to that you're going to have to do. You're adjusting to obviously a different level, different players, different attitudes. Um, making a jump from Mercier's to the Mount. I think that it is, in a lot of ways, very much the same job. Lacrosse is lacrosse. And maybe it's a little bit, obviously, closer um, or a smaller adjustment to uh, Division One to Division Two than it was from Division Two up to up to the PLL. But obviously, things move faster, bigger athletes, faster athletes. I think you, you get bigger staffs, more of, more experienced staffs. So there, there's going to be obviously an adjustment period with that too. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, lacrosse is lacrosse and you have to go coach it and you have to go coach your kids. And that starts on Saturday in Annapolis at noon against Navy, where they certainly have some dudes. Like there are certainly some big boys down there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, they do. They yeah, do ahead. present certain challenges. Yeah, no question. <laughs> yeah. No question. Hey, Coach, uh, great to meet you. Looking forward to seeing your team and chatting with you uh, moving forward as uh, you settle in out in Emmitsburg. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Looking forward to doing it again. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Go Mount. Coach Chris Ryan, first-year head coach at uh, Mount St. Mary's, a thumbnail on the Mountaineers. Well, first of all, it sounds like he needs to meet the Archbishop of Baltimore. Right, get a new tie. Yeah, 100%, tie, right? something blessed, right? Uh, so so beyond that, you would, you would think the Archbishop would do that for uh, somebody working at a Catholic institution. You would institution, think, right? right? Anyway, uh, you know, I think that – uh, that's a that's a multi-year process to get them to where he wants to get them. It's interesting to hear him talk about you know the Mount as a top thirty or top twenty-five program. Um, I don't think anybody's really thought of them right. being able to have those sort of frankly those aspirations. Uh, they've o- occasionally picked off a team here and there, and you know for years and years it felt like Georgetown or Maryland or somebody was always going up there to play. Uh, and their schedule got a little tighter because of conference expansion and what have you. But uh, you know, I think that defensively they, they could be a pretty good team. There's certainly some things to work with at the offensive end, but also to work on at the offensive end. But you know, this is not a with with where Mount St. Mary's is at right now. It, 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 this is not about this season. This is about a foundational type of thing and putting yourselves in a position to be able to become a team that is routinely in the mix for the NCAA tournament. I think it, I think the Mounts made two NCAA tournaments in 02 and 2010, I yeah. think it is, or 03 in 2010, something like that. Um, I thought there was one more recent. Why did I think there was one more recent? Maybe there that? maybe there was. I, I, I did a quick scan through the uh, um, through the through the record book recently. But it, I, I'm certainly not going to challenge your knowledge. Well, the, I just I, want to make that abundant. You know, it's funny. Way. When I went through it, I thought I was missing one, too. No, you're tour, right. It's so. 2010. So, anyway, um, you know, it's been a while. And, and that was a, you know, that's a game that nobody remembers because it was at Virginia um, at, in, in the wake of a tragedy down there. Right. So, um, you know, that game was just sort of ha- happened to be, you know, window dressing in a lot of ways to everything else that was going on down there. Uh, so, you know, it, it's been a while for the Mount, um, you know, being a, a relevant figure uh, nationally for sure, and, and even as a regular conference c- tournament participant. 
uh, you know, they've been kind of in and out of that mix. I think they hosted a conference tournament maybe in 18 or 19 or something like that. But they are, uh, there's, there are advantages in, for them, particularly in the Metro Atlantic. And I think that, you know, Chris Ryan is a guy that's won, what, 269, 267 games in 23 years. Uh, the guy knows what he's doing. Yep. Uh, and so there is a championship pedigree there for him. Uh, and I, I think it's an interesting challenge for him to take on because, quite frankly, he could have kept winning games at Mercyhurst for, for years and years and years and years and years. Uh, so so I'm, I'm certainly curious to see what he's able to do. You don't see a ton of those D2 and D3 yep. guys get the chance to jump up. I mean, you think about Mike Daly at Brown as one of the more recent guys that's been able to do that. Um, you know, but usually it's a guy like like a, a Morgan at Merrimack that comes up with sure. as, yeah, as they make the jump. Um, but you don't see it. You know, Mike Pressler was a D3 coach at That's Ohio right. Wesleyan right. Uh, before going to Duke. But, you know, it's easy to pick those things out. It's a little harder, uh, you know, to, to really see like a string of them or anything like that. So uh, Mike Murphy at Penn was at Haverford's another one as an example. So in any case uh, – Certainly interested to see what the mount is able to do over the long haul. That that's not one where you're going to judge this is a success based on year one, unless it's just a wild a wild success and, and they're in the tournament or, or, or what have you. But uh, I think Chris Ryan certainly somebody that, that knows what he's doing and a really good hire for the mount. All right, real quick before we chat with Sean Nadlin, you, I didn't have you give a thumbnail on Johns Hopkins. Can we do the the one minute version of that? One minute version of Johns Hopkins. Uh, you know, not much different than what we were saying earlier. I mean, that's a team that you know people will be gunning for again. Yep. Uh, I don't think, and not that people were looking past Hopkins because the the Hopkins name meant so much. I mean, you think about in the pandemic season how excited Michigan was to win at Homewood that year, even though that was not a very good Hopkins team. Like that, that was still a big deal. So you know, when when Hopkins is down, it's not like they benefit from the fact that people really sort of look look past them or anything. But last year sort of reestablished them as a capable top 10 type of team. And I think one of the things that Peter Milliman said last year that really resonated with me is they wanted to have the play, the best role players in the country. And what he meant wasn't, wasn't just to have a bunch of niche guys, but to have guys that did their job really, really well. Can that continue? Uh, they have a lot of dudes. I think the number was their top 11 scorers are back yeah. this season. Um and then the question there too is, is you know how uh, how good is Chase Erlin and and how well does the rest of the defense fill in around him? I I think that's going to be a strength. I think Scott Smith is a fabulous defenseman, and Brett Martin's one of the best short sticks in the country. Even if Peter didn't exactly uh, describe <laughs> either of them terribly extensively, I'll do it for him. Those guys are really good. All right, uh, hour number one of the show in the books was brought to you by Superbook. Use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up at Superbook, you'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. Had to do this a little bit earlier on because of their practice schedule, but uh, we had a guest stop by the studio today. Sean Nadlin is up next here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. We continue on the lacrosse preview show today. Glenn Clark Radio, Patrick Stevens here. And joining us now here in studio is the head coach, the Towson Tigers. They open up the season Tuesday afternoon at Johns Hopkins. He is Coach Sean Nadalin. Good to see you, Coach. Thanks for coming in and hanging out with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. It means lacrosse season's here. No doubt about it. Uh, I know that last year it, you got off to a tough start, clearly. 
but there was a lot of good after that point, right? Like, can you kind of walk me through what happened, what turned, and how you guys might be able to build off of the second half of the season as you go into this year? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a we have a tough schedule. You know, from start to finish, and uh, we had some some growing pains, and which is you know part of a season. You know, sometimes you got a veteran group and things are, are clicking right from the start that really wasn't us last year um you know by the end of the season we started three freshmen you know on our offensive end so there was some you know some learning curve there uh, we had guys uh, our first midfield uh, truth be told through our non-conference schedule kind of struggled for production we were relying on kind of our our second midfield and you know at that time we're like well our seconds are first our, our first our seconds mm-hmm. um and you know we had some ebbs and flows on the on the defensive end we had some some strong outings uh, and then we had some you know some tough outings where we just didn't get consistent play um so again it's you know that's the the beauty of being able to play a season continuing to to come to work every day and practice and and understand what we need to do to get better and and recognize our our strengths and then recognize areas of improvement and um you know things started to fall together in in conference play and our, our guys kind of figured out you know who we were what helps us be successful and, and guys started making you know plays more consistently you mentioned the defensive end maybe being up and down a little bit but it seemed like that group kind of evened itself out on a more consistent basis throughout and i know colby bars made a fantastic adjustment from pole to close defense how is uh how did that group you feel like develop and and how strong do you think that's going to be for you this spring we were we were a more veteran defensive group last year, uh, returning starters with Garrett Zingale, Colby, you know, still uh, going from from pole to, to close. Uh, Reagan McNamara, um, Evan Long was new in cage, you know, um, and then we were uh, bouncing back and forth with with him at times and um, putting in a, a backup. And then defensive midfield, we were we had some consistency with Brandon Hunt mm-hmm. and uh, Jordan Hayes and, and Reese Potter, guys like that. So. Um, there was definitely some more familiarity, and you know that allowed us to have some consistency um, on the defensive end. Uh, we lost quite a few of those guys, you know, coming into this year. Uh, two starters at close defense graduate, two uh, D middies graduate, goalie graduate. So um, that's kind of where we are right now. Is continuing to evaluate. You know, Colby's uh, still a, a mainstay for us on the, on the close defensive end. Sam Moore at the long stick middie. Sam had a really strong year last year continuing to play well up there um but beyond that you know there's a lot of inexperience you know we got guys but again it's it's mm-hmm. getting them experience getting them you know understanding what it really takes to be successful possession by possession and, and working together let's dive into one of those positions that looks really inexperienced at the college level anyway and that's in the goal mm-hmm. i know luke down started the game for you last year uh but that seems like a situation where there's probably going to be some patience required maybe even some flux even right now as you're a week or so from your opener yeah going into um kind of preseason and as that started to unfold heading into our scrimmages there are really three guys on the, in the goalie position that emerged as kind of the the top guys that you know we wanted to continue to, to take a strong look at because they earned you know you know earned opportunities and luke's one of those guys um with his experience i feel like he's he's done a good job being a leader within our, our goalie group um and playing pretty well matt nyland and um, Kaufman has been doing a great job as well. So those guys are all battling and, and doing a great job um, trying to solidify that position. You know, it's sometimes it's tough when you, you have guys competing and, you know, you're not really 
you know, one's not really taking mm-hmm. the reins. So, you know, people say sometimes if you got three goalies, you really don't have any goalies. So, <laughs> but I think we got three good ones, uh, and it gives us options if we go with one guy and and he's doing really well. We know we got um, we got a good one, and if not, then we might have to go to another guy that's got you know some you know proven proven opportunity. Coach Sean Adlin's in studio with us. I was just going to ask, like, are, are you? Are you the type I I need to have a goalie on Tuesday? That's my guy, or can that continue and you play a half and and continue this into the season? I mean, we evaluate every position all the time. So if we get a guy, um, yeah, it definitely helps. You know, especially at the goalie position. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not apprehensive about playing a couple guys if we need to. Um, you know, when 2017 we go to the final four, uh, we ended up. Um, you know, going back and forth between starters throughout the yep. regular season and into conference play, and then midway through conference play, Matt Hoy really solidified the starting spot, and he took us to, to uh, Memorial Day weekend. So it, it's really, you know, it's it's a neat thing within our team to see it be so competitive, and those guys understand they have a role to play, and, and if it's their opportunity, they're going to do it to their best ability. But, you know, if somebody else takes it, then they're going to be the best teammate they can as well. One area where you do have stability is at the faceoff dot, and Matt Constantinidis, contact, yeah, easy for me to say, Constantinidis, took a real step up for you guys last season percentage-wise. What did you see from him? Was it just another year, more growth, and, and that was that? And how much comfort does it give you to have such stability at an important spot on the field? Yeah, Matt earned you know, kind of the, the top spot as the face-off guy midway through his freshman year, came back sophomore year, and, and really continued to evolve uh, ran in against you know some really tough competition you know at the X with the opponents we face so it, it really gave him a lot more experience and, and allowed him to settle down. Um, I probably did a little bit of a disservice throughout Matt because I really leaned on him throughout the season. He was playing well, um, but again taking as many faceoffs as he did against you know really tough competition. Yeah. I think it kind of warmed down uh, towards the the end of our conference play, and you could see it with him. So we're doing our best to. Um, you know, mitigate that, and and we have some other really nice options with Rocco Moreno and a couple other younger guys to kind of help Matt out, and maybe not put as much pressure on him. But he's you know he's continuing to play really well, and you know we got uh, Rocco um, backing him up as well. You mentioned last year there was a lot of uncertainty at the offensive end. This year, probably a few more knowns at this point. Obviously, Nick DeMeo still around, uh, Joaquin Villagomez as well. Uh, how's, uh, how's the attack and midfield units looking, and do you feel like that's going to be a group that maybe is a little further ahead of that younger defense or less tested defense, uh, at, at least this time around? Yeah, it's, it's interesting on the offensive end. You know, where, you know, on paper we return quite a few, but again, those guys – Last year we're freshmen, mm-hmm. so it's not like we return juniors and seniors that have started. You know, we do with Nick, um, guy like Chop Gallagher, mm-hmm. you know, who's played quite a bit for us as well. Uh, Josh Weber, those are kind of the three veteran guys that have got a lot of experience that'll be back, you know, and doing good things for us. Joaquin's still growing and learning the game. Um, guys like Ryan Schreier, Mikey Weishauer, um, you know, those three next guys are really learning and, and moving into kind of their roles even more talented but again just trying to figure out for us what's the best combination you know for those guys you know being you know whether it be at attack or midfield and you know how do those guys kind of work together speaking of offense one of the newcomers to your group uh, a freshman named Ethan Pearson from Colorado was a big time goal scorer was one of the top recruits in the country I guess one walk me through 
you know, how you got connected with this young man, how he ended up coming here from Colorado and how quickly he might be able to step in and make an impact. Yeah, Ethan, you know, Ethan definitely was a bit of a man among boys uh, coming out of high school. He's got uh, he's got a great frame to him, good size, good build. Um, you can definitely get a shot off on the run, physical dodger. Uh, came into the fall looking looking good. Um, but as, you know, we put more pieces into place, you know, I think the game, you know, at the Division One level is a little bit faster. Sure. So he's still learning and, and picking, you know, picking things up. So his learning curve is a little bit bigger right now. So seeing him um, on the field right now is, is most likely not going to happen. Okay. Um, but we can definitely see, you know, a, a lot of promise in him. And he's got a got a heavy shot and not afraid to, to get it. So he's, he's practicing hard. Kind of a big picture sport type question you know this is the last year where you have a class of guys a big class of guys that was in school when the pandemic hit and it obviously has altered a lot of things in the world but in the in college lacrosse what it's been is it's added a roster construction element that's different what are what do you feel like are going to be kind of the legacies of this sort of weird covid era and is it going to make life easier in some ways to kind of get back to kind of what would be Whatever the new normal is, essentially, obviously, there's other variables in play throughout college sports, but get, getting it to at least where the, the roster element is back to sort of what you were used to before. Yeah, I think the consistency on the roster is going to be, you know, uh, just from my perspective, a little bit more normal. You know, um, we don't have many fifth-years this year. Um, last year we did. So, again, just recognizing, you know, sometimes you just you lose track of what year guys are, you know, with, with COVID and everything. But now we'll get back to that a little bit more normalcy. Yeah, with the, the senior class being freshmen, you know, coming out of the, the heels of, of 2020, um, you know, I remember having to go pick up uh, Austin Dukeman from the airport because he's from Canada and his mom couldn't fly in, you know. <laughs> me and, and coach Musi moving him into his dorm, you know, first time on campus and our student athletes were the only ones allowed to live on campus. So it's just, again, their, their transition and, and kind of what they've had to experience and stuff has definitely been unique. Um, but they've, you know, they've, you know, they're a very strong group, a very uh, tight knit group. And you could see that, you know, that first week there on, uh, on campus, we had them over to our house for, uh, you know, barbecue. And, you know, they were like, it was like they were fifth year seniors, you know, just how, <laughs> how tight knit they where they're busting each other's chops and everything so you know i think for those guys being able to to fall back on that experience recognize the connectivity that needs to happen and to allow that to, to manifest as you know they're going into their senior year here all right before we let you go coach the question we of course have had to ask everybody this morning um replay have you gotten a system yet for like how you're going to handle this who 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 orders the code red like have you <laughs> have you worked through what this is going to look like with the scrimmages so far uh, we we haven't had any scrimmages where we've used it. Okay. We, we most likely won't use it um, at Towson this year. Okay. Um, you know, we'll we'll have it ready. You know, if we visit a team and, and they're using it and stuff. So not really repping against it. It'll be a little unique. Um, again, it really comes down to the system. Was that was that by choice that you're not going to use it at Towson this year? That. Yeah, it's just you know um, the equipment and the functionality of everything and okay. um, you know, and I think that's going to be place to place you know if it's a if it's a you know a really um you know espn broadcast game or something yep. you've got multiple camera angles and, and in tight um but a lot of institutions you know they're shooting you, you've been to united stadium yep. you, you got one camera shooting from the top of the <laughs> press box you know we talked to the refs about it before a scrimmage last weekend they're like look you, you know we're probably not going to see much from from that anyway so you know is it really worth potentially burning a timeout 
you know, by throwing a challenge flag, flag if you have the, uh, you know, the the red flag in your pocket mm-hmm. and being able to get that going. But, um, you know, for us, it's just, you know, we don't think it's feasible at this point. Okay. Very good. Very good. Sean Natalin, uh, season gets underway Tuesday at Johns Hopkins as Towson looks to get back to a CAA championship level. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks for coming in and hanging out with us this morning. Sorry about your bills. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of commiserating, I think, yes. going on with yeah. some uh, tough, some folks. Tough time of year. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it. Thank yeah. you so much for coming in and hanging out with us. We really appreciate Always it. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Coach Sean Nadlin stopping by the studio this morning here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Appreciate him taking the time. We move forward. We just keep plugging along here. We've got a busy hour. Hour number two is Patrick Stevens is in studio with us. And next up on the hot seat. We head down to Annapolis as they're getting ready to start the season Saturday against Mount St. Mary's. It's a pleasure to welcome in the coach of the midshipmen. He is Coach Joe Amplo. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Guys, always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of headlines with your team, but I think the uh, the newcomer on the staff, this new guy that you found, um, I don't know what, what his story, this up-and-comer that you brought in, this guy, Dave Cottle, um, where, where'd you find this guy? What do you expect out of him? He's uh, Coach, he's actually my former broadcast partner. I love the guy a great deal. But I uh, love the opportunity to, to have fun with him. What what was the thought process? How did this come about? Well, he's, he's showing signs of promise, I will tell you that. Uh, there's a lot of potential in him. Um, I mean, listen, through uh, through the, the, the scenario we were forced into in December um coach Cottle and I have always been great friends and he's been a mentor of mine you know been through conversations with him he, he mentioned that he would have some interest and once he said that I was like all right how the heck do we make this work to bring this guy back into college lacrosse put him around my staff me personally and our players I can think of no better scenario given the circumstances we were forced into um, so he's been great. Um, I think there's a, there's an energy around him that, uh, people are going to be surprised about. Uh, he's been extremely valuable with us in the office and our guys on the field have, uh, have really started to engage him in a really positive way. So it's been fun. Joe, you know, when I think about you guys, the, the first guys whose name comes to mind is Jackson Bonnets, um, just such a key figure for your defense since the day he showed up on campus. Uh, just what what has allowed him to develop into an even better player than he already was when he first arrived, and, and just how vital is he for what you guys want to do at the defensive end? Yeah, I mean, Patrick, you're talking about the kid who was elected captain of captains mm-hmm. here at the Naval Academy. You know, 36 varsity sports. You know, a brigade of midshipmen that are that are trained to be the world's leaders, and he was elected by his peers to be the captain of that group, which I think is just a remarkable feat, and it's a testament to who he is as a human being. Uh, he's done everything right since he's been here and worked to to become an elite player, but more so an elite human being. He just goes about his business in a way that is um, is exemplary and and really just just a beacon of, of, of light for us to, to follow. Um, I do think his relationship with coach Orson has been terrific. And John being, you know, around some of the, the country's best through his time at Denver has, has developed and helped develop Jackson into a, into a very, very solid, good defender. Coach, your team obviously got off to a bit of a tough start a year ago um, with a lot of expectations, but we saw in the second half of the year, you guys really start to put things together. Did you get a sense of, 
what was going right and and how you guys build off that in another year where there's a lot of expectations this year yeah i think unfair to um to us internally you know we had high expectations for, for last year and i think we took some things for granted okay you know we started the season 3 and 0 and then we went on a six game skid with some poor play and and just not reaching potential some injuries allowed us or it were kind of uh, added to that but that wasn't the reason we just didn't we, we underachieved and it's my first time in 23 years of coaching that I can say that I've been around a team that didn't get the most out of itself and we took that personally you know and I do think that is the ingredient we need and that's the thing that's driving us to hopefully find some success here we've just got to get the most out of ourselves on a daily basis that's our goal if we do that I believe that there's talent in here that that people really aren't talking about right now, which is exciting for me as a guy who likes to prove myself. And and hopefully if we find a team within this group that wants to prove themselves, I think we have a chance to um, to do some some good things this year on the field. Uh, sort of an unexpected uh, thing that popped up on you guys last year. You had a a great season at the faceoff X, and then Anthony Gobriel leaves. How is that unit looking uh, with him departing? Uh, and I know last year you felt like you had some some options in the pipeline, and it turned out to be the case. Do you, do you feel like that's a group uh, that is is kind of mirrors the rest of your team that you feel like you guys can surprise some folks with? Yeah, I mean, look, we want to be around people who want to be here, mm-hmm. and uh, we got a group of kids who truly want to be at the Naval Academy. And that's what matters most. And I think, you know, people are going to notice one guy in particular, Zach Hayashi, and the spirit and energy and toughness that he brings. There's no better example of a plebe at midshipman than Zach Hayashi. You know, right now, if there was an order of merit for the plebes, he'd be close to the top. Uh, he does everything right. He had a 4-0 GPA in, in the fall semester. He's got a smile on his face, and he plays with an energy that is contagious. So I feel very good with him as a newcomer to the faceoff group and the other guys pushing him that we're certainly going to compete in that in that area of the, of the field. What about in goal? Has there been a decision made yet, Coach? No final decision. I think we're getting closer to it. Um, I, I want to say it's a game-time decision, but we know internally where we're leaning. Okay. Uh, I think um, we feel very good about it. The competition from the end of last season, truly through the summer and into the fall, um, has been excellent, and it's raised the level of play for, for the guys in that, in that group. And I'm, we're going to be happy with who we put in the pipes to start the season on Saturday. Joe, I think it's the top five goal scorers from from last season or back, Max Hewitt among them. Uh, how have you seen that group kind of develop since last season? Uh, and to kind of double back to Glenn's point about uh, Dave Cottle a little bit earlier, how has his work kind of influenced them here over the last month or so? Yeah, I think if there's one specific area from last year where we felt like we we really underachieved, it was on the offensive end. I mean, heck, we were the, the worst shooting team in the country at 22%. And that's certainly something that we have taken to heart and worked on. But I think more so the thing that I evaluated was we felt like we never had a group that played consistently well together and as a team and and had an identity on that end of the field. And bringing in Coach Cottle, you know, he's coached some of the best teams of this generation, you know, and he's been around championship environments his entire career. He knows what that looks like. He knows what it sounds like and feels like. 
And the one directive that I gave him, if I can give him a directive, um, you know, he's pretty much telling me what to do is I just <laughs> want to have a group of guys that, that play well together, whatever that looks like schematically. If we can find six guys that we put out there at a time that are going to play together and play like a team on that end of the field, then I do believe with some of the pieces we have, we can, we can score some goals and look pretty good. Coach Joe Amplo from Navy with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Uh, Coach, I don't even know how significant of a difference it is. Obviously, Xavier's uh, time with football came up, and so there's, I guess, no split in time uh, the way there's been in the past years this year. I, does that make a, a tangible difference for you guys at all? I got to I gotta think it has to, yeah. uh, just for him personally. I mean, I, I said this earlier to somebody. There's no kid his age that has gone through what he's gone through to be, you know, the the – Starting quarterback, not the starting quarterback at Division One level for for Navy, playing in Army Navy games, having success, having some frustration, and then playing another sport at the Division One level at the Naval Academy. That young man has grown in so many ways that so many people don't see, and I'm proud of him for that. And I think that he can, if because he can solely focus on this sport, the one that he loves, this semester. We're going to get the best version of what Xavier Arline can be, um, whether that's what people um, say he can be or not. Wherever it is, he's going to get the most out of himself. Um, he's uber talented. He's been working his tail off, and he is so focused on on being as good as he can be this this semester, which is exciting for all of us because he's just a he's a wonderful talent. Saw that Richie Mead was able to to speak to you guys. Uh, last week, and that he's back in town and whatnot for a little bit. And uh, when I think of when I think of pe- people that are great, f- were, are or were great fits for a, a job, I, th- I think about Richie and his time at Navy. Just just how meaningful is it to to have him kind of reconnecting with the program at this point? Yeah, it's uh, it's super humbling. Um, you know, Richie's been a great mentor and and now a great friend to me. Uh, I said this earlier to uh, to another group that was interviewing me that. When I was growing up in this sport, he was one of the pillars that I looked at and an example that I wanted to emulate. And when I think of Navy lacrosse and the success that we're trying to achieve, I point to the teams that that Coach Mead coached, you know, and I point to to the teams that played so hard and had such an energy and there was a style of play that people wanted to to kind of emulate in those early to mid-2000s. And, uh, and Coach Mead brought that. And to have him come back and be a part of, you know, us in a small way and for our guys to know him, you know, a little bit more personally now, I think is really, really important. And there's no better person, there's no better example for someone who loves Navy lacrosse than Coach Mead. And if that came through on Friday when he was with us, that's an unbelievable achievement because – if our guys can play with that love and that passion that he has for this program, then uh, we got a chance to be, to be pretty good. Uh, on the local front, uh, AJ Marsh from McDonough, one of the, uh, the the more highly regarded prospects in the entire country. Uh, how quickly? I, I heard some rave reviews about him from the scrimmage. How quickly do you feel like he can step in and make an impact for you guys? I think right away, uh, what that impact is, you know, it's really up to him. He's got. An unbelievable amount of talent. He's got a presence not only on the defensive end, but in the middle of the field. He plays with a, a joy that is uh, is fun to be around. You know, um, it's just going to be a matter of 
how quickly does he know how good he can be hmm. and is he willing to put that into uh into play right away but uh certainly he can change the way we play because we're able to do some things that normally we wouldn't be able to do because we have a we have a player like that um on our on our side and then I've been asking all morning, and you guys, of course, have a facility that seems like it'd be equipped uh, for handling replay responsibilities. But I, what do you make of what this is going to look like? Have you gotten a sense for how much you guys are going to be able to use replay in this first year, and and the functionality of it, and um, when it's appropriate to challenge, when it isn't? How much have you been able to spend time with that coach? Uh, we've had two days of scrimmages, and I am one for three in <laughs> challenge uh, scenarios. <laughs> I will say of the three scenarios, if it were a game, I probably would not have thrown the flag. Okay. Um, aside from the last one, because I won't name the official, but he strongly recommended that I throw the flag. <laughs> um, probably because he felt bad that he said we had too many men on the field the previous possession and we didn't. So he was giving <laughs> one back to me. Um, but we did it more for just practicing the scenario of, all right, what does it look like? You know, what does our team do when the, when the refs are reviewing it? And what is the start and stop of that event due to, due to a team as they're playing a game? So I, I, I don't know how big of an impact it's going to make in the regular season. You know, there might be a 40%, uh, 40% of the time that teams are going to utilize it in a game. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking back to last year, I don't know how many scenarios I would have even thought of challenging. So that's fair. That's fair. Obviously, everybody's talking about how important it'll be for the NCAA tournament for the whole sport. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Coach Joe Amplo, as we mentioned, things get underway Saturday against Mount St. Mary's at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Really appreciate you taking the time for us, as always. Looking forward to seeing you during the season. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Thanks, guys. Take care. Coach Joe Amplo from Navy. So let's uh, try to do thumbnails. The last two teams that we chatted with, Towson. And Navy, your thoughts on both? Uh, Towson, uh, a, a team that, that clearly has uh, some questions on the uh, the defensive end at this point. Maybe a little bit more experience, but not super old by any stretch on the offensive end. And so, uh, you know, having a faceoff guy like Constantinidis, see, I got it. I yeah, got it on the first I, try. And I'm the broadcaster. That's not a good sign. It's not. No. It's not. Um, but I had I practiced that. I, I you, you know what, you know it's funny too. I, I don't know if you, I've ever shown you my charts. I never. Whenever I do my the games, mm -hmm. I only put the names on phonetically. Right. Uh -huh. I don't. I don't spell them out because I don't even want to think about it. And then I made my cheat sheet for today, uh -huh. and like an idiot, I didn't. You didn't spell it out. Like a big dummy. Uh, but they do have a good faceoff guy. So I, I think that they're a team that, that I'm not sure they're going to be quite at Delaware's level yeah. uh, in the CAA this year. Uh, but at the same time, they they, they did, did beat Delaware. They last did beat year, they right? did beat Delaware. Yeah. Uh, they 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 split with Delaware. Um, and so are they, are they going to be at Delaware's level? Maybe, but I could certainly imagine them being the second or third best team in that in that league. I think there's a lot of question marks in that league. Like Stony Brook still has Dylan Palinetti. It feels like he's been there for five years, even five or six years, even though he began his career at Maryland of all places. Um, and then you've got teams like Drexel and Hofstra and uh, you know a couple others in that mix. Uh, but I, I think Towson can certainly be a contender in that league. But but Delaware, I think begins the year as the clear-cut favorite there. As for Navy, um, you know, 
definitely got the sense talking to Joe just now. It, it, it dovetails with everything else I know about them that they feel like they do have something to prove, and that they, you know, the truth of the matter is he's right. They were not a good offensive team last year. It was really hard to watch them at times, particularly in the first half of the season. They kind of figured some things out later on in the year where they were able to create some problems for some people, uh, but it still wasn't it still wasn't necessarily easy on the eyes. So I think Dave Cottle has a challenge in front of him mm-hmm. and you know you and I both know Dave that's something that there's always sort of a mad scientist sure element is. to him and so I think he's going to enjoy you know kind of piecing these things together and whatnot and from what I, from what I understand like Dave has thrown himself like I, I don't think Joe entirely sold it like Dave has really thrown himself into this project over for, for this spring so uh, I'm curious to see what he's able to do with a lot of pieces that had some decent production uh, but just didn't quite fit together as well as they would have liked. Defensively, I think Navy's going to be fine. Uh, and regardless of who's in goal, I think they're going to be okay at that end of the field. The face-off's a big question, though. Uh, losing Anthony Gobriel, who had been a guy that you know was untested last year, goes for 60% and then transfers for Virginia, um, that, that's, a, that's a big loss for them because that was something that if they, they were thinking going into last year, if you can just get the ball, and they got the ball, yeah. and then a bunch of other things went wrong, basically. That, that was the one thing that went right. So uh, not a not a great twenty three for the mids um, by their expe- by the standard of their expectations. I think they're going to be better this season. Don't know if that means they're much better than third or fourth in the Patriot League. Yeah, though. it's a loaded league, obviously. All right, so we continue along, and next up on the hot seat, he is of course the head coach down at Maryland, and they're getting ready to start the season Saturday on the road at Richmond. He is Coach John Tillman, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's uh, Glenn and Patrick Stevens. Always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much for hopping on. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you know, Coach, a lot, obviously, with your team to cover. And I think the, the first place is we start with the guys that are maybe coming back this season. And I know how important Eric Maliver is, but I, I, maybe I, I guess the other word is it between the pipes. Is, is Logan McNaney ready to go to start the season? And is – you know, you got some pretty good goalie play at times a year ago when he was gone. What's that going to look like during the course of the year? Yeah, I think a, a, a tough ask uh, to throw a freshman into the schedule that we, we have here. And um, and I thought, um, you know, Roop, he, he definitely gave us a chance to win almost every game we played. Um, and, you know, again, kind of getting thrown in game two um, with not a lot of, you know, preseason to be able to get the experience that you want. Um, so I'm very thankful for kind of his approach and and obviously the way the guys kind of fought in front of them. But like any freshman, right, you're going to have your good moments, bad moments. Uh, but I know we have a lot of faith in Brian um, and Logan coming back. I think, uh, you know, the guys feel the same way. Um, just, you know, Logan, there's just a comforting feel of he's been there. He's proven he's he's played well in the big moments. Um, his record speaks for itself. Um, and so there's not too much that happens on the field that Logan's going to be surprised at. Um, and not only, you know, whether it's, you know, the shooters that he sees, but also in the clearing game and, and changing defenses. Uh, and he just never seems to get rattled. And I think that that is something that um, as a coach, you just love to, to have a guy like that, that regardless of what's going on in the game, when they bring it in and they have a huddle, the guys are going to have confidence in him. When you look at a, uh... 
at, at what you've been able to get out of the the tradition of the number one jersey through the years. Last year, obviously, a little bit of a breakthrough there, putting, putting Brett Maycar, a defensive player, and there another defensive player this year, Ajax Zapatello. What is it uh, about Ajax that, that sort of led to that honor, and, and how healthy is he and ready to go is he um, as he heads into his senior year? Yeah, I think we um, we thought long and hard about last year, you know, if we were going to, you know, stay with more of an offensive theme with the number one. Um, but I think as a staff, we just kept coming back to what Brett Makar has meant to our program on and off the field and who he was. So um, I just felt like it was very fitting. Um, I think there's also with that number, you know, there becomes more eyeballs on you and there's a little more scrutiny. So having somebody, you know, that can handle that, um, that spotlight um, and is not going to really be impacted, you know, like, in, and again, a lot of times the guys who have been best wearing that number were guys that really weren't seeking the number, um, you know, kind of like, well, I'm not a number guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's kind of almost the answer you'd like, because they're just playing because they love to play. They're not seeking any, you know, accolades or, you know, recognition. Um, and I think, you know, Brett's been that way. And obviously Ajax, um, very similar. Um, I think being around Brett uh, for those three years really helped Ajax. Just Brett's consistency. Um, I You just knew what you're getting from Brett every single day. Um, he was very locked in. He was very focused. He was a very selfless guy. He was a hard worker. Details mattered. He was very passionate. Um, he was, you know, a guy that cared about his teammates. So, Um, I think Ajax has wired a lot of that way, um, a lot of those ways, but I think he's another guy that he's going to come do his thing regardless of what number he wears. Um, I think there was a lot of pride for him to wear 36 because that's what Jesse Bernhardt wore. Um, And there's a number of other great players and I could go on and on, but, you know, like Timmy Muller, you know, there've been a great, there's been a great tradition of uh, guys wearing that number, Uh, but we just felt like it, it made sense. And there were several other guys we could have gone with. Um, But again, I think Ajax, it's just business as usual. Um, He's a guy that since the day he's gotten here, he's had a great approach. He's made guys around him better. Um, you know, I think when you think of like a guy who is a Maryland Terp, um, you know, on and off the field, his character, his toughness, his relentlessness, his investment, um, you know, I just think Ajax is a great representative and, and we'll see what happens next year. Um, you know, we, we've kind of waited till the spring and given the guys the fall. Um, and, and luckily it's just not been a distraction. You know, it's just kind of the guys were like happy for Ajax and we just kept moving on. You've obviously had a, a, a number of successful seasons at Maryland. Maybe last year was a little more uh, challenging, certainly much more challenging than the year before when you when you went undefeated and won a national title. Uh, how do you feel like guys have, have responded to how that all unfolded last year? Because obviously not every year you're going to have injury luck that works out for you the way it had the, the previous couple years uh, and obviously didn't have last year. Obviously some teams are going to be a little more experienced than others. This one's probably somewhere in the middle between those last two. But how have you seen some of these holdovers respond to having gone through a year like last year where, where it, it frankly wasn't all that easy for you guys to accomplish as much as you did? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, part of what you hope happens through this journey um, that the guys go on, right? They come to college um, and you want as many 
things to happen that could replicate what's going to happen to them after they leave here. Um, so obviously learning how to handle success is one thing, uh, but also handling adversity, um, you know, and guys having to make sacrifices and the ability to stay, you know, like in the moment and stick to itiveness and, you know, bouncing back from things, um, you know, that sense of resiliency, I think, you, you know, you, you obviously you're trying to win every game, but when you don't win, you, you try to learn, um, you know, you try to teach the guys and you want them to learn, uh, hey, sometimes, you know, you, life throws you curveballs. You've got to handle it the right way. No one's going to feel sorry for you. Um, and next guy's got to be ready. Um, if you're on the team, like injuries happen. So you got to always prepare like a starter. Um, and then as a coach, you just have to be ready to, all right, if if somebody does go down, what do we need to do differently? Um, do we need to tweak things so that this group, based on injuries, can be more successful, not just plug him in and expect the same results? So, um, you know, adapting to what you do have. Um, and at times last year, I think our guys learned, like, when they were locked in and we were playing well, we could play as well as anybody. Um, I think they also learned that, hey, if, if you don't do little things right or we're not on the same page or we're sloppy um, or another team is playing very well, hey, we're 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 pretty pedestrian, you know, like we're susceptible. So um, it just we just have to make sure that we are executing at a high level. We are detailed oriented. Uh, we are doing what we need to do. We're competing at a high level. We're playing unselfishly and we've got to do that for 60 minutes plus or Hey, it may not go well. One week from this Saturday, you see coaches uh, overlooking CQ Stadium right now. They'll be taking on Loyola there for their home opener one week from Saturday. Coach John Tillman with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, I, and I brought up Eric. I don't want to just move right past it. Um, given how significant he was two years ago, I know you guys ended up having plenty of capable scorers last season. Is it reasonable to expect that Eric might come back and be a bit of an alpha for you offensively this year? Well, I think it'll be an important part for us, you know, having, having that experience, you know, I think is really important. Um, but we have to remember, you know, he hasn't played in a game in two years. So no. I think we got to be realistic in, in terms of our expectations that, you know, like anybody, the, my sense typically is that guys, it takes a little time to get back to where you were. Um, and I think there's always a tendency with athletes, right? You want to pick up where you left off and, and sometimes you can try to do too much. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we got to be careful with, with him is just to, you know, let him get back, um, get comfortable, uh, take what the game gives them. Don't feel like, you know, you need to, to get back to where you used to be. You're going to get there. Um, and let's do it out of our scheme. Um, obviously having Braden with a year of experience with him, uh, those guys have good chemistry. They're both from Atlanta. Um, you know, they're good friends. Uh, I think it's just nice to have, you know, two guys with good amount of experience down there and two guys that I do think, um, they enjoy playing with each other and they do have chem good chemistry already. Um, and again, and not having either guy feel like, hey, they they need to make the play every time. It's it's really just playing good offense and out of the offense, you know, taking what the other team gives you and and making sure that we're not trying to do too much. Obviously, a new offensive coordinator, a late hire, uh, bringing Mike Phipps over from Navy uh, to replace uh, Jake Bernhard, who went up to Colby College up in Maine. 
Uh, how have the guys responded here over the last few weeks in the preseason? Since obviously you didn't get to didn't get to work with Mike uh, during the during the fall since he wasn't hired until late December. Um, the transition's been very good. Uh, I think a lot of that is due to to Mike's personality. Uh, anybody that knows mm-hmm. Michael Phipps, he's a um, he's a pretty easy guy to get along with. Um, he's you know he's just a a very welcoming guy. He's a guy that. Um, you know, part of the reason why he's here is he's he's really big on relationships. Um, and I think that's something that I heard through the process and I haven't known Michael for a long time. Um, you know, we wanted somebody that was going to be very big in terms of the relationship part. I feel like that's a big part of it now with the kids these days and the college athletes is, um, you know, g- getting to know the players and the players getting to know you and building that rapport and that trust. Um, and I think he's done a good job of that. Um, you know, Michael and I spent a lot of time over uh, the break, um, just in early conversations when the job was open, but also, you know, once he decided to take the job, there there's just a lot of similarities in terms of the things that, you know, when we when we coach, things that we believed in, principles, philosophies. Um, uh, but there were some things that maybe he has done that we haven't done that we felt like we could bring into the fold. Um, you know, since Matt Rambo and Colin Heacock left, we, we took a big turn in 2018 in terms of style of play. And I think every year we've we've tweaked it a little bit. We've stayed true to a lot of the things that we want to try to do. Um, and I don't think right now we're trying to blow it all up uh, all over again. Um, so, so finding somebody that, again, just believed in a lot of things that we believed in. And Michael had watched a lot of our games. Uh, some of his term- terminology, to be honest, is exactly what we call things. So I, I think that's made that transition a lot easier. Um, and, and and I think the guys have really enjoyed it so far. Um, certainly a lot to work on uh, this time of year, just getting kind of your timing down, working on your execution, your stick work. Um, but it's been fun so far. I, I need to ask, Coach, is there any answer yet about uh, Dante Trader and whether or not he's going to be uh, spending any time with you guys this year? Um, I'd say no final answer. Okay. Um, so I, I I realized last year was a lot for him, um, you know, going right from football and having about a week or so and then joining us. Um, I felt like he never really got a time to to catch his breath. And then he did have, you know, he d- dealt with a, a, a big injury last year while he was with us. And I think part of it was pre-existing. And um, my only, you know, disappointment with that is I just, I know how good a player Dante is. Yeah. And if he was fully healthy, um, I think he would have played more to the level that he wanted to because um, his standards are so high. Um, he was great for us. Um, you know, I was really thankful for all the things he did for us, and he did a lot. Um, but if you'd seen a healthy Dante, I think you would have seen even more um, just because I have that much faith in him as a player. Um, you know, we've left the door open for him. Um, I think, you know, doing what he's done, he's been going at a uh, just a, a really – like if you know Dante, he he only knows one speed, um, and smashing into big bodies for the last you know six seven months it does take its toll. Uh, you know a lot of times you're coming up to tackle guys that are pretty big. So, um, you know I think right now the biggest thing is for him to kind of mentally you know catch his breath, physically catch his breath, and if he decides to join us, obviously we'd love to have him. And if he doesn't, we're going to be really grateful for the time that that he gave us last year and. 
I'm just a big fan. I know our guys are too. You know, he'll stop by the, the office or he'll stop by the locker room. Um, you know, we really care about him a lot. He's just a, a really good guy. So um, if he decides that he wants to do it and it works with his schedule, we're, we're certainly open to it. And if Coach Locks is, uh, um, you know, willing to do it, that'd be great too. Um, so we'll just see what happens. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing a lot about this team during the course of the season. As I mentioned, gets underway on the road on Saturday down at Richmond. Uh, Coach John Tillman, always appreciate you. We'll be checking in during the course of the year. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning as we get ready for the start of the season. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for covering lacrosse. We appreciate it. It's Coach John Tillman from down at the University of Maryland. And last up, we just keep moving along here in the College Lacrosse Preview Show. We uh, head to Catonsville where we are joined by the head coach of the UMBC Retrievers. He's Coach Ryan Moran, and uh, he still has a couple of weeks to get his team ready to play um, as they're still a couple of weeks away from uh, their first official game of the season on February 16th against Drexel. Coach, it's uh, Glenn and Patrick. It's always great to catch up. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Sure. Glad to be here. Coach, I, I think I've asked you about this before. The, the late start, is it purposeful with you? Is it something that you – prefer to let's maybe not be playing when we're going to be battling snow or anything like that no we just have had some some really good scrimmages and uh, i have a really good relationship uh, with the princeton coach and we've kind of they have to start later they're, mm -hmm. they're february yeah. 1st so they usually start around the same um weekend that we do and i felt like having a princeton scrimmage is is every bit as valuable as opening up the season against any opponent so uh yeah our first official game might be a little later but I think the three scrimmages we have this year are really going to help us be prepared to, you know, jump in the season and run. Ryan, when you, when you look back at last season, obviously got off to a really good start, uh, the 4-0 start, uh, including kind of that, that postponed game against Towson there. Um, but I, I'm curious, uh, you know, for you guys, uh, after that it was just sort of alternating wins and losses. I mean, do you, do you feel like consistency was something that was maybe a little elusive, and has that been kind of a priority for you guys this offseason? Yeah, I mean, clearly we're not a very consistent team in the second half. We're not nearly as consistent as we were in the first half. I think um, some of that's attributed to that early season success. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought our guys felt like, hey, we're, we're, we're doing well, things are going good. But it truly is, once you get in the conference play, a different season. And I don't think we kind of turn that switch as quickly as the other teams. And then you end up with a, a close Bryant loss and then just a bad loss to Albany, probably our worst game of the year. And then in conference play, you're two games down. You're, you kind of put your, you kind of dug yourself a pretty big hole early in conference play there. And that's where we found ourselves, and we were not able to get out of it. You know, you were one of the top defenses in the country a year ago, and I know that's been a calling card. And you bring back an Ethan Robinson. Is it is it fair to assume that this will again be a team that's sort of built around strong defense and limiting opponents? Sure. I mean, we we like to pride ourselves on playing complementary lacrosse. Uh, I do. I have been very pleased with both sides of the ball in the first three weeks that we've been playing. Uh, we have a lot of experienced guys coming back on offense as well. So I think uh, if you play good offense, it lends itself to playing good defense, and, and hopefully you could be pretty tied up in the middle of the field. Uh, but historically, we have done uh, a good job on that defensive end of the field, especially from a statistical standpoint. 
one of those guys at the offensive end that, that you alluded to a moment ago is Mateo Brown, who who had 34 goals for you as a junior last year, uh, taking a big jump. What was kind of behind that, uh, and, and just what do you see as an as an encore potential for him this this spring? Well, you know, extremely happy for Mateo last year. He's the type of kid that just really hardworking, humble kid. So um, usually things will work out for kids that stay the course like that, and it certainly did for him. Um, you know, we're, we're just going to look to continue to improve, you know, areas of his game. He's, he's very good at getting to the goal, very, uh, very strong scorer. Um, we're trying to obviously with all of our guys, take some of their weaknesses and try and turn them into strengths and you know, maybe see if he could be a, a better feeder, you know, he draws a lot of attention, find the open guy. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we can, we, you know, we stay healthy and, and Mateo can have a, as good a season this year as he did last year. He is, of course, Ryan Moran, UMBC lacrosse coach. He is with us here on GCR in the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, you know, who else, like, as you try to take that next step forward, you talk about playing complementary lacrosse, who else do you feel like might be ready to step up and, and, and help make that jump in being a more complete team? You know, um, it really is not about individuals, and I hate to say it, and I'm not, I'm not kind of dodging the question. Um, really, it's, it's, it's everyone buying in, everyone sacrificing, everyone understanding what their role is specific to the team, and, and being passionate about that role. Um, you know, so uh, that's really what we preach to our guys on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, but from you know a standpoint on both sides of the ball, it's good to have Brian Dragoning back. Yeah. He was pretty much injured all of last year. He broke his foot at the end of the fall, and he never really, I think, got too comfortable uh, coming back from that. And I'm, I'm hoping this year, uh, so far, so good. He's looked great in the fall. He's looked good in preseason so far. So having him back uh, at full strength will be great. And and having Michael Doty back at full strength, I mean, he hurt his knee pretty bad in the first game for Strexel. He's a tough kid. He came back in like five weeks, but he was playing the second half of that season kind of injured too. So um, those two guys, if they can stay healthy along with Mateo, I think could could, uh, could create a pretty formidable attack that we like. Um, and then defensively, uh, I definitely got to mention Trey Fleece as a guy that can really help us. He's taken that next step as a short stick D midi, just great motor, plays hard, uh, can get doing really well on the wings, has the type of attitude and mentality that you want out of a short stick D-Midi. So I think his play could really lend to us having a strong year on that side of the field. In the cage, Jason Ting last year, uh, over 50% uh, saves, under 10 goals a game uh, allowed. Uh, and that came after having had a little bit of experience, but not a ton uh, in 2022. How much more settled do you feel like he is, and, and, and how good do you feel about the goalie situation as you head into the year? Yeah, I'm very happy with how Jason's been playing. Um, very proud of him for the year that he had last year. We're hoping that he can build upon that, maybe even have a better year this year. Um, you know, he's a comfortable, confident kid, and, you know, that's what you get when you're in the fourth year in the program and, and you have a whole year of starting under your belt. Uh, and then Connor McMahon, who is uh, right now playing really well as well. Uh, he's a kind of a local kid from Spalding, and he's gotten some chances in, in the scrimmages his freshman year and this year. And, and every time he gets in, he's just – not very rattled at all. Seems very calm, cool, collected. So I'm happy what I see out of him as well. Is it, um, you know, Coach, I don't know how much you guys talk about this stuff, but this is UMBC lacrosse, right? It's a program with a lot of tradition, a lot of history. And I, do you guys have conversations about, hey, it's time for us. It's time for us to make that jump and get back into competing for championships and being in the NCAA tournament. 
I think it's, I don't think it's something you really have to talk about too yeah. much. I think the kids all understand that that's what they want to do. That's our goal. You know, we take a lot of pride in trying to be as competitive as we can within our conference and win our conference. You know, I think for a lot of teams, we're not, we're, we're no different. That's your, your, your most sure way to, to get into the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, I think our kids are very proud of where they play and to the tradition that UMBC has. Uh, we try to honor that with our play and practice and in our games. And, you know, we're working our tails off and aspiring to try and be a playoff team and get back to being a team that can get to the quarterfinals one game away from the Final Four like they were, I think it was in 2009. So, uh, Question I've asked a couple guys uh, this morning. I'll, I'll throw out to you for your perspective. It, the, the COVID era has been very unusual in a lot of ways, but particularly in terms of the way that people are kind of forced into – uh, roster construction and some choices that are made here and there. Uh, how has that process gone for you guys? And, and do you feel like there's going to be uh, much of an adjustment or not much of an adjustment at all after this year once most of the guys that would have been on campus when the pandemic hit will have graduated and used up their eligibility? Um, I think it will make things a little bit more settling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were a school, we were a team last year where I thought I was going to have three starters coming back. Um, and then, you know, one or two of them decide to transfer and then one decides, hey, I'm just kind of beat up and I got a good job offer. So for us, I felt like it kind of hurt, if I'm being perfectly mm -hmm. transparent. Um, so now that's gone, you know, I think we just get back to some normalcy and, um, you know, hopefully have our roster start being a little bit more manageable um, with the limits there. And then uh, we've been asking everybody all morning, I don't know what the plans are for uh, for you guys from the America East as far as replay is concerned. I don't even know if you guys got to use it uh, at Hopkins last week, but um, have you dove into it, started thinking about when you throw the flag, when you don't? Like, how, how much have you spent time with replay and just your thoughts in general about it being introduced this year? Well, you know, as a conference, we've kind of said that if you have the technology to use it, you can use it, I think a little bit 50-50 in the conference play of, of places that feel like they have the technology to use it. We, we all have like our, our sports editing system where you can kind of use and look back on film, but those angles might not really be enough to push the needle one way or another for an official to overturn a call. So um, I feel like we kind of jumped into this replay thing pretty quickly because of just one play in the Final Four, if I'm being honest. And it's it's – you know, not the easiest thing to do and to navigate and to effectively administer in a game. And we've got, at least for me and a lot of the other coaches I've spoken with, it's been kind of spotty on, are we doing this? Is this happening? How is it happening? Um, so kind of just like reserving judgment and taking guidance from the officials and from the conference and taking it probably hopefully like one game at a time. No, get I, better at it. I get I, I, You haven't tried to like practice your, your flag throw or anything like that just in case you use it, have you? <laughs> no, I have, have no no flag throwing yet in practice. All right, we'll have to work on that. You got to make sure it's you know you you, you can't you got to. I, I feel like it says something about a coach how determined they are with their flag throws. I feel like it's uh, it's a statement, Ryan. I, I think I'd be more like a Belichick and just kind of drop, <laughs> drop it, it down in front of them. Yeah, yeah, not gonna throw it anywhere. <laughs> just throw it on the ground. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned, uh, two weeks from uh, Friday, the season gets underway when they host Drexel at uh, UMBC Stadium. Coach Ryan Moran, always appreciate you, man. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Look forward to chatting with you as the season goes on. All right. All right. Thank you very much for having me.
Coach Ryan Moran from UMBC, uh, final seventh and final coach on the hot seat this morning. I'm late getting a break, so we're going to grab a break. Then I'm going to let you give the thumbnails on the rest of the teams, and we'll do a quick national hit um, when we come back in. All right? It's Patrick Stevens is here. It is the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Whether you're a Ravens fan or rooting for one of those other guys, Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Jeremy Kahn here. The ultimate sports betting experience in Maryland is at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook. Join me at either location in Canton or in Towson and place your bets in person and be a part of the action. It's the best in-class sports wagering experience complete with the ultimate TV package, ensuring you can catch every game all day, every day. Their state-of-the-art facilities bring Las Vegas energy right here to Maryland just in time for postseason football. So visit the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton and Towson and elevate your game day experience and hang out with me to bet, watch, and win at the Turtle. Hey, Ravens fans, looking for the perfect new game day brew? Get a Guilford, Baltimore's finest craft beer, during the next home game at the bank. That's not all. Gather your flock next home game and check out Guilford Hall Brewery's brand new bar, The Gilly Nest, located near Section 505. No tickets? No problem. Enjoy all Ravens games all season long at our restaurant and brewery in Station North. Guilford Hall Brewery, European tradition, Baltimore charm. 
Hey, Griffin, can you let everybody know what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel these days? Yeah, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. It is the place to be, uh, especially at Sports and Social, uh, which features an on-site FanDuel location. It is your, gonna, going to be your ultimate spot to watch the big game on their massive 100-foot media wall. So order up your favorite game day bites, take a sip from our signature crushes, and extensive beer selections, all just steps from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Watch, wager, and win at Sports and Social at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Adirondack Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLING. All right, we are winding down on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Patrick Stevens with us in studio. Patrick, your uh, thumbnails on uh, both the – I guess let's start with UMBC because I feel like there's probably a little bit more to say about Maryland. Yeah, I, I think for UMBC we can expect a, a, a team built similarly You know, def- from the defense out. Uh, certainly some guys uh, on the offensive end that, that you can feel comfortable about being, being proven options for them. Uh, I think that's a team that if they can achieve a little bit more consistency, uh, which they obviously did not have in the second half of the season last year, uh, that they should be able to get themselves back into the America East tournament. And then Maryland, um, they get pieces back. Is it a team that moves right back into national championship conversation? I, I think it's certainly a team that, that is capable of at least winning a game in the tournament uh, if they can stay healthy. And, and, you know, the truth is for them last year – is if they had been healthy, if, and, and really at the defensive end, for as much as everybody looked at, well, they don't have as much offensive experience, and even looked at the fact that their first midfield unit wasn't as productive as they really wanted it to be, but their second midfield was really good. Like they had, you know, you might not say that their options two and three were as good as they as as you would want them to be, but options four, five, six, seven were all all really, really good in the midfield relative to, to what you would normally want. It was the fact that they got dinged up. It was that Zapatello was out the last quarter of the right. season. It was the fact that John Geppert was hurt. It was the fact that Logan McNaney wasn't there. And you were putting a freshman goalie in a tough spot. And, yeah, he had he had an awesome highlight at the end and, and saved that Virginia game yep. for them. Uh, and you can't take that away. But there were certainly between you know other teams scouting – and not having as much help in front of him, or at least less healthy help, uh, kind of in a vulnerable spot. So if they can stay healthy back there, I expect them to be pretty buttoned up. There are some questions about the defensive midfield. It's not just simply Dante Trader, you know, uh, Geppert as well, gone. Uh, and so you, you look at that, but the offense should be better as well. And so, you know, is there a little bit of an adjustment period to a new coordinator? I don't know if it's really going to matter all that much. I mean, this is the third offensive coordinator they'll have had in three years, and I don't think that they really changed a whole lot. The personnel just wasn't as lethal as it was the previous year when you had Wisnoskis and Khan sure. and Donville and all those and, and DeMeo and all those guys. So I, I think if you're if you're Maryland uh, you're just kind of looking for a more stable year. You know, there was a little bit of whack-a-mole going on there. And, and you know, no one's shedding any tears for Maryland over that because, and, and, and John Tillman will tell you, there weren't that many injuries that they had to deal with in 2022. They lost a short-stick defensive midfielder, Josh Kaufman, to injury. Um, but for the most part, that was a team that was loaded and stayed healthy. And last year, uh, you know, between the Molliver injury in the in the preseason and, and McNaney and everything else, it just there just wasn't stability. If Maryland can have the sort of stability, even a reasonable amount, you can bank on them probably being a team that that's in there in that final eight. And you know, 
John Tillman in a quarterfinal is, sure. is, a, is a pretty good bet historically. So would not be surprised if they're sitting there as one of the last four teams standing on Memorial Day weekend, uh, although I think, uh, I think most people would agree uh, heading into the year that the teams that look most imposing are in some order. We'll do it alphabetical, Duke, Notre Dame, and Virginia. All right, so let's talk about it. Biggest national storylines, you bring up Duke. Of course, Brennan O'Neill, who turned a lot of heads at the, uh, the World Championships mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, get I I would assume he sort of headlines the list of like storylines going into the yeah, season. Yeah, I think I think he does. I mean, I think too. There, there's four Tawaraton finalists who are back yeah. this season. You've got O'Neill, uh, who won the award. You've got Connor Schellenberger from Virginia, who might have won it had he been healthy the full the full season. He missed a game in there and and frankly wasn't right for about a month or so, uh, but played really well at the end of the year. Uh, Pat Kavanaugh's back at Notre Dame. C.J. Kirst, frankly, uh, might end up with better numbers than any of them, basically being the center of the Cornell offense. Uh, that's four really, really good players. There's a reason why when we did our preseason All-America team for Lacrosse Magazine that we had four attackmen on the first team and three on the second and three on the third. That was the only time that I, I insisted that we fudge things a little bit there. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't putting any of those dudes down on the second team in the preseason. Not one chance. So, you know, for Duke, you get to the you get to the final day of the season and, you know, how much does that fuel you in the off season? You know, and you've obviously got some veteran players, uh Kenny Brower on defense, O'Neal Dyson Williams, the the, the Canadian uh, finisher uh, on attack. There, there's a lot to work with there in Durham. It's been ten years since Duke's won a national title. It feels wow. like it feels like wow. they've been in the mix just about every year, right? Yeah. But it's been ten years since Duke's won a national title, and so this feels like a team that that should have you know they have not quite the same, but a similar intersection of ability and incentive that Notre Dame had last year. You know, you don't have the snub, right? Like, there's not quite as much incentive getting as much fire being thrown into that or fuel being thrown into that fire but I, I think that you know that's a that's my that's something I'm fascinated to see with Notre Dame is you've won a title you finally reached the mountaintop after all these years and, and you did it with a team that was just so motivated from the start for for good reason how do you respond to that this year and, and I think you know as as much as as that's a variable I think the the the, they might have had as significant a loss uh, as anybody's had, uh, just because they had they had a kid Brian Tevlin that they brought in from Yale. Okay, and this was a dude that took faceoff wings. He ran on their midfield. He was a defensive midfielder. He, they picked he picked up a pole on 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 man down and played out there for that. I mean, in some ways. Um, he, statistically, it isn't going to show up, but that was one of the most valuable players in the country last year, and was a captain after showing up three three months, you know, after three months or so. So, super valuable player. Probably going to take multiple guys to fill all the roles that, that he filled. So, how does Notre Dame deal? I think they're going to be fine. Um, and then you got Virginia, uh, which had a lot, you know, still has a lot back from a team that was really, really good. They still have a guy in Kastner on close defense that's really, really good. They still have a ton of offensive pieces, although you know they have to replace Xander Dixon, who set a school record for goals last year, which is no small thing given some of the names that have passed through there. Uh, but they still have Schellenberger, and, and they, still have a, they still have a lot. So those are the three teams that I think most people are generally looking at as, as the teams that 
are going to be heard from as much as anybody. But there are some other storylines throughout the country as well. So let's just uh, – I'll wrap with this. The You bring up the three ACC teams. Then if we threw the Big Ten teams in whatever order after that, separate them. If there's a team playing on Memorial Day weekend that's not one of those six, seven teams, I guess, whatever, from the ACC, but if there is an outsider – that you think would have a chance of making a run and being interesting, who would that be? Uh, I'll give you two teams. Uh, we'll start with Cornell, mm-hmm. um, the cursed factor. I think that they're getting bigger and more athletic. You talk to coaches in the Ivy League and you get the sense that, that this is just the beginning. Maybe maybe you're not going to have a cursed every year, right. but that, that their their roster is, is getting better and better and better. Uh, the other team that I would point out uh, is Yale. And it's funny, everybody has this image of Yale as just tough and rugged and defensively they just grind you down. The truth of the matter is, is they might have the scariest attack out of anybody in the country mm. right now. Uh, you know, with Brandau and Lyons and, and Leo Johnson, uh, that is a – you're, you're really picking your poison there. Like, it is hard to slow them down. The question is, is can they get enough stops? Um, you look at what happened to them uh, at the end of last season in both tournaments. They just couldn't, just couldn't get enough stops. And so if they can get the defense to even just a decent level, they are going to be a total handful. And the thing is, is like Andy Shea's figured out a lot of things in building that program up enough to be able to win a title and to make it back to Memorial Day. I, I really think that's a team to keep an eye on as well. And by the way, one other subplot since you know yeah. there is a there is a, a local tie here. Dave Petromala heading to North Carolina now, the defensive coordinator for the Tar Heels, working you know his, his sons both play at yep. Carolina as well. And so you know, does that kind of invigorate? And there, and there were multiple uh, staff changes down at Carolina, a team that you know, frankly, I, I saw them in person against Syracuse. In the middle of April, and they just they just looked slow. They just did not look as athletic uh, as 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 Syracuse, a team that should be better too, by the way, this year. Uh, but I, I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to see unfold down there. Carolina can Carolina get back into that top tier because it feels like the gap, and we saw it uh, when they had four games down the stretch. I think it was two Notre Dames, a, a Duke, and a. Um, uh, two Notre Dames, a Syracuse, and a Virginia. Okay, and it, 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 the gap in, in athleticism, and particularly those Notre Dame and, and Virginia games, just the, the gap in ability was significant. Can they make that up? Because that could make the ACC even more interesting than it already is. If Carolina is even is is back to being a feisty team capable of winning a game or two in the tournament. We'll be talking about it. Obviously, we'll still talk college basketball with Patrick on Tuesdays moving forward, but we'll be doing a little bit of both and then uh, move into mostly lacrosse until Memorial Day weekend. Um, Before we let you go, I'm told the tidbit of the day today is lacrosse-related, so I'm guessing, and you said Brian Powell helped out with this one? Yes, Brian Powell. I'm going to guess he geared it towards Patrick and not towards me, if Um, that's the case. We'll see. I mean, it, it's right. it's Maryland related. Uh, All right. We'll see. Tidbit of the day is uh, brought to you today by Superbook. Use the code Clark 23 when you sign up at Superbook. You'll receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose, from our friends at Superbook. 
so Jared Bernhardt, who uh, joined the Maryland coaching staff over the offseason, he is the director of player development now for the Terps, uh, he is second in career goals at Maryland. Of course, for those who don't remember, Jared Bernhardt was also a football player, mm-hmm. spent some time with the Falcons, like obviously a hell of a lacrosse player, Tawarton winner, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, and he, then, he won it in 21. Yep, and yes. then uh, ended up uh, playing quarterback at Ferris State after that and then was a wide receiver for a little bit with the Falcons. That is correct. Um, so, Brian wants to see if you guys can name the top eight goal scorers in Maryland history. Bernhardt is number two at 202. Well, we got Joe Walters is on there. Joe Walters is top four. Top four. 153. And Logan Wisnowskis would be up there as well. He is number one. Okay. 205 for Wisnowskis. Okay, so... We've got Wisnowskis, Bernhardt, Walters, and Walters. Missing number three. Three. Well, the thing about this is, is you is as great as Maryland's players have been over the years. Uh, it's likely that most of those guys are all within the last fifteen to twenty years or so. Um, there are uh, no. There are three that would be outside. All right. So, uh, there, so there's. We have five left. There's two that are post-2006. So I was going to say, is Matt three. Rambo one of them? Matt Rambo is number three, okay. 155. Two more than Joe Walters. Uh, I'm going to toss out a guy that's also recent vintage. Grant Catalino? Uh, not Grant Catalino. Huh. I mean, we can sit here and, and throw any number of names out from like the 80s and 70s, well, 80s, and 90s. I was going to say Frank, Frank Urso. Urso. Frank Urso, top yeah. eight. 127 for Urso. I am surprised that there's more older guys, to your point. The number of games, mm-hmm. the right, like the sheer. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, I mean, you think about great goal scorers from before, like Matt Hahn's one of those names that comes up. Matt Hahn is number five on there the list. Go. 149. About um, Channon Shea? He wasn't really a big Not, he, goal and he, didn't play, yeah. and he didn't play four seasons there either. Oh, That's really? the th- yeah, he, he started his career okay. at Princeton, so... Um, so you said there's one more that's recent vintage? Uh, yes. Okay. But we've only got two guys left anyway, so yes. Yeah. One from the 90s. And then, let me figure out when this guy graduated. Yeah, and then uh, they're pretty, pretty recent, within the last... <laughs> Connor is Kelly? The, Connor Kelly, Connor yes. Kelly. And is the one from Number the 90s... Uh, oh my! my uh, uh, Scott Hoxted? No, not Scott uh, Hoxted. <laughs> I've told you some Scott Hoxted stories, haven't I? I think you have. Yeah. I think you have. Wandered into a party once, and I was like, I should not be here. <laughs> it was very kind of him to invite, mm-hmm. but I, had, I walked in, I looked around the room, and I said, Nope, uh, no. <laughs> nope, this is not going to be for me. God bless you. I'm I'm blanking on who it is actually. Oh, I shouldn't. Be. If if you're not getting it, there's no chance that I'm getting it. Um, so you're ready for it. Number six uh, with 137, Rob Wurtzberger. Wurtzberger. Uh, okay. Wurtzberger. All right. Very good. Who has the most goals in college across all time with 221? Uh, it's got to be somebody recently because they would have had to have had a fifth year, right? Or is it Thompson? Oh, it's uh, it's O'Keefe from Penn State. It is right? Mac O'Keefe. O'Keefe. All yes. right. 221. Is that, is, that, is that it? Yeah, that, we can all make right. that it. Very good. Next to our Duke players, if you care. With we got Noskis it. With uh, Noskis is fourth. Okay, it's Gutterding. Gutterding and, is, yes, and, is third. And, uh, are we or sorry, s- no, he's second. He's, he's second. second. And the number three was what? Was that uh, was that Donowski or was it was it Greer? It was Zach Greer, it was Greer yes. Zach Greer. 
There you go. I mean, you knew he was getting it. I don't know why we thought anything other than that. So Bernhardt would be top five. Those are the only five with 200 goals in a college of pro. How about that? Were they all guys that got extra years? Uh, no, Greer was. Greer did because. Oh, he did. Okay. He because he spent. He was part of the. He was one of the, the Duke guys. Yeah. He spent it. He spent it at Bryant, but but he. It's he, it's a different. It wasn't a COVID year. It, wasn't a COVID it was because year. of the scandal that wasn't oh, at Duke. Oh, I, they canceled their season. I do remember yeah. this thirty for thirty? Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, we got to take one more break, but I I don't need you to, to hang around if you got places to be. Patrick Stevens at Discourse D one S Course. What's schedule look like for you this week, sir? Uh, headed up to Philadelphia for a little bit of a field trip tomorrow, going to see George Mason in St. Joe's, making uh, the trip over to Towson on Thursday. They have Northeastern in town, and then Marquette. Things really Georgia. coming together for Towson. Things nicely. are coming together yeah. for Towson basketball right now. And, you know, they've beaten Drexel, they've beaten Wilmington, they've beaten Charleston. So yep. they've beaten the three best teams. In the CAA, and, and, besides themselves. And, and backed it up with a short turnaround on the road against Delaware against on Delaware. Saturday. So, you know, all the stuff that we were talking about with them for, you know, can you get a top four? Well, it certainly looks like they can get themselves a top four seed. You know, the funny thing is, is that uh, you look at what they've done. You know, they had the game where they couldn't score at Monmouth. They're still getting Nenda Tark kind yeah. of acclimated. Uh, didn't play great defensively up at North Northeastern. So seeing them kind of get a payback game there should be interesting. And then, you know, the rest of that league is still really, really jumbled. Uh, and the last right, – like right now, uh, there are six teams tied at four and four. That's wild. That's so wild. Stay that, above that's, the fray. Stay so above, you, you really yeah, do right. want to stay above that. And below that is the teams that have to play on, yeah, yeah. on Friday at the CAA tournament, Northeastern being one of them at three and five in the league. So – uh, you, you really don't want to take two losses uh, to a team that's just scuffling to do that. Now, I think Northeastern is better than that, and they're certainly really well coached. But, uh, you know, at the moment, you know, Towson would be the number two seed if the, if the tournament started right now. So it doesn't, and there's a lot of, a lot, yep. a lot of basketball yep. to play. They, Thursday is simply the midpoint of conference play for them. But I, I do think that they are in, in really, really good shape, and, and clearly I think the best, the best hope in the area oh, to make yeah. the NCAA tournament. No doubt. All right, sir, really appreciate you as always coming in and hanging out with us for, uh, for this. Pleasure as always. When we come back in, we will uh, look over what – it's 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 not a lot. There's not a lot happening tonight. No local teams in action, but we'll cover it. We'll get tubular next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, it's Jeremy Kahn. This postseason, bet in person at the Green Turtle Bet Park Sportsbooks with locations in Canton and in Towson and enjoy the best in-class sports wagering experience at their state-of-the-art facilities, bringing an unmatched sports betting thrill. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. There's so much focus on sports betting these days, but I want to talk about an area that nobody wants to gamble on. Where you choose to go out and spend your hard-earned dollars to eat. The Casas Inn is no gamble at all. The quality on their menu is outstanding, and the value is off the charts with a great and varied list of special 
specials Monday through Friday. And the staples of the menu, whether it's salads, burgers, fish, they're all fantastic. And I haven't even mentioned the crabs or crab cakes yet. So check out the menu for yourself at CostasIn.com. When choosing a place to dine, never gamble on the food you put in your belly. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard or call 410-477-1975 for reservations and your steam crab orders. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? A.J. Michaels, Heating and Air Conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Hungry? With seven locations throughout Maryland, Glory Days Grill is always right around the corner. They have wings, burgers, salads, sandwiches, and drinks to satisfy everyone, as well as tons of televisions and sound delivered right to your phone. Whether you're a Ravens fan or rooting for one of those other guys, Glory Days is the best place to watch football or whatever your favorite sport is. While you're there, be sure to check out Goose Flights Lager, named in honor of legendary Raven Tony Goose Siragusa. $2 of every can is donated to the Goose Flights Foundation. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Stan the Fan, Charles, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson got together yesterday for a baseball conversation. If you missed it, find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, go to youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video to check it out. Stan the Fan, Charles. Ross Grimsley and Luke Jackson. All right, we are winding down. Thanks again to Patrick Stevens. Thanks to all of the coaches who joined us this morning. As I said, if today wasn't for you, appreciate I don't know why. First of all, you probably didn't make it to this point, so I don't know why I'd be talking to you any longer. Um, but, uh, you know, I enjoy doing this. It's one of the things that I say. Like, for a lot of people, the end of football season is panic. Like, it, look, man, I'm bummed. But we'll just continue to cover Baltimore sports. And there'll be a lot of football involved with that, obviously, looking about what the decisions um, are going to be for the Ravens personnel-wise. Does Mike McDonald take one of these jobs? We know Joe Ortiz is gone. Do they lose their entire defensive staff? Yeah, Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Like, Are they trying to tell these guys, like, hey, don't take a job yet. Zach Orr uh, is going to interview with the Packers for their defensive coordinator job. So, you know, would they be looking internally if Mike McDonald leaves? Is there a another former Michigan connection they could bring in, or is that person going with I, – I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, we, we'll cover all of that. Like, that's what we're going to do on a day-to-day basis. But we'll also talk college basketball. We'll talk college lacrosse. We'll do those things. We'll cover sports. We'll, we'll get the – Maybe the Orioles will do something. Who knows? Probably not. Arthur Smith looks like it is a done deal to the Steelers. Oh, okay. as, as their offensive coordinator. I just don't care. I was like, I was like, is Arthur Smith getting a head coaching job again? Like what? Um, no. What was I going to bring up? Oh, uh, uh, Stan will be disappointed because Justin Turner is going to. Uh, oh yeah, Toronto. Yeah, yes, he had been holding He's out. Getting hopes closer and closer to the AL East. Uh, all off season that uh, there'd card. be a Justin Turner. Reunion in Baltimore, but that will not be the He's case. He's one of Justin Turner, what, since probably the day that he left, I guess? 
Probably. Well, I mean, Justin Turner was a star of stars for a little while. Why did it, uh, Stan, Stan's point this year was more like he is who he is at this point. The Orioles could afford this. Like they're and and Stan well, it a twelve thirteen million dollar deal. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I didn't see. You can tell me. Like, as pragmatic as he can be about it, was like, look, the, the guys you want aren't coming here, but they could do this. They they did. Um, Anthony Weaver's interviewing for the Dolphins right now for their okay. DC. Yeah. They did Craig Kimbrell. That's that's what they did. And it's, we'll see if there's another one in there. Tubular is brought to you today by... Ooh, this one's brought to you by Goose Flights. Everybody knows how much we love Goose Flights. It is delicious. It is refreshing. And more importantly than that, it it's helping people. As one ninety eight from every can of Goose Flights that's sold goes to the Goose Flights Foundation as they look to provide non-emergency medical transport for those in need to continue and honor the legacy of Tony Saragusa. Uh, as his daughter Sammy is running that foundation, and it's been a pleasure getting to know them and the work that they are doing, and we are so honored to be involved with that. You can get your goose flights all over town. Cans available at Alonzo's on Cold Spring Lane. Cans available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. And now, additionally, cans are also available, as if all of that wasn't enough. Cans are now also available at the Green Turtle and Bet Park Sportsbook in Canton. Free to get your cans there. Plus, cans and six-packs available at both Costas Inn and Guilford Hall Brewery. Six-packs and cases available at the Wine Source in Hamden. Find out more, because I know that's a lot. Go look it up, pressboxonline.com slash gooseflights. All right, um, tubular tonight. I'm sorry. There's there's, there's just not much. There's no night. Sure, if you're invested in just games, if you don't, <laughs> you don't care well, yeah. about who the teams yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, Big Ten hoops tonight on Peacock. Illinois, Ohio State at 7. Michigan, Michigan State at 9. That's who Maryland plays next. Michigan State. Big Ten Network, Iowa, Indiana. Scouting, yeah. Sure. Iowa, Indiana at 7 o'clock. Yeah. I mean, the, these games don't even yeah, stand out all that much, actually, now that I look at them. And that one's on Peacock. Or, no, that, that one's on no, Big Ten. That one's on Big Ten Network. Okay. The <laughs> Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State are on Peacock. I, I don't know. There's a bunch of games. Marquette, Villanova, yeah, 7 they, o'clock on FS1. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bunch of games. Go find them. GlennClarkRadio.com. NHL Network, Blue Jackets, Blues at 8 o'clock. TNT, Pacers, Celtics at 7.30. 6ers, Warriors. That's not a bad one. Tonight at 10 o'clock on uh, TNT. The USA Network, Aston Villa, Newcastle United at 3.15. And then WWE NXT at 8. Uh, a big night non-sports-wise, obviously. Um, yeah, obviously. Uh, it is the season 11 premiere of Vanderpump Rules Can't, on Bravo. I, the number of people in my life that watch Vanderpump Rules is truly disturbing to me. The well, I, number I, I of people that like are are otherwise normal people that like know about there was apparently some cheating scandal oh, was last there? year on Vanderpump Rules. I mean, and we're sounds... talking to me about it like I should be aware of it. Like in conversation, we're just like, "What do you think about that?" Lisa know. Vanderpump, Tom. I was like, Tom, he's, Tom, a, he's an asshole. My, my father? <laughs> like, who are you? Tom, Tom, like from the cartoons, Tom and Jerry? Like, what Tom are we talking about? And I don't even know if the guy's name is Tom or not, but that's just the first one that came to my head. They're like, no, from Vanderpump Rules. I'm like, is this just a topic that you oh. think that like people discuss? Is that where we're at? <laughs> like, you just believe 
that people walk around talking about Vanderpump rules and then they were like, yeah, literally everyone watches it. And I was like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything. Like, I I couldn't tell you who these people are. I couldn't tell you what they do. I couldn't tell you where, what network the show airs on. I am so dissociated from the Vanderpump rules. I think it's a restaurant. I wanna, if you say so, dog. That way, if you say so, man. This could, this could be anything to me. They could be fashion people. They could be just heirs to something that they, they don't do anything for a living. They just put pictures up on Instagram or whatever. I don't know if they're good looking. I don't know. This is the blindest of all of my blind spots. Well, they live in Hollywood, so you tell sure me if they're Sure they do. Maybe they're actors. I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I have nothing, no association at all for the Vanderpumps and their rules. And I don't really know <laughs> what their rules are. Like, are we got to watch the find apparently, out. Apparently, no, they're allowed to cheat. I, do, I know that there was a cheat. I say I'm completely dissociated. I know one thing. There was a cheating scandal. Someone cheated on someone. Who, what, when, where, why? I don't know. But there was cheating involved. Cheater, cheater, they pumpkin eater. Scandal, I think. That's what I'm. If you say so, baby, I got nothing. Netflix is gonna have NASCAR Full Speed new series. Uh, I don't think it's from like the same F1 and you know like the the Drive to Survive ah, thing. But it I is think Tom. It's... Tom Sandoval. Well done. Oh, that's why they call it Scandival. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is the Percy Jackson season finale on Disney Plus for anyone that was uh, invested in that. Emma Stone's going to be on Stephen Colbert, um, and then uh, Donald Glover and Maya Eskrine will be on uh, Fallon along with Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, what's her face from the Bears hosting Saturday Night Live that this weekend? I'm very excited about that. Io, I love Ida her. Beery, I yeah, believe. yeah, she's awesome. That's mm-hmm. very cool. I yes, dig that. Yes, uh, everyone's going around because Cranston was on uh, Colbert last night, and he, it's for Argyle that movie that 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 star I, cast. I don't know. I have no idea what it's about. Ba- well, no, I they like the idea is that she's an author. Oh, that's right. Okay, now I remember. Like what, what it's she's about. what she's written has like Comes is actually life. happening yeah, or something yeah. like that. But the movie itself doesn't look bad. Well, I mean, yeah, because when you look at the cast, yeah, it's a good cast, a hundred percent. I don't know. I the, the premise is like, eh, to me, but I don't know. I kind of look at it like I'm. This might not suck. I'm not trying Seems to. I don't. Middle I'm gonna, school. I'm gonna make a comparison. Is that what you think it is? You I, think it's a fantasy type of? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm trying to figure out what 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 movies, what other movie I'd, I'd see this. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. What other movie is out this weekend that that I would. Is, uh, Dune is coming. Oh no, Dune isn't until March. Yeah, Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas oh, Howard, wow. uh, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Dua Lipa. Oh, okay, uh, now I'm back. Sure, Ariana Debose, who's definitely someone who I pretended like I knew about because she hosted Saturday Night Live in the past, but I've already forgotten why. Oh, I haven't seen Mean Girls yet, her. so I don't know. Maybe that's the uh, John Cena, Samuel L. Jackson. Well, now you have Rob to. Delaney is part of this. I love Rob Delaney. Um. I don't know. the The trailers don't look bad to me, man. Like they just don't. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know. yeah, they don't. But I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, very I, good. I we guess. done. We done. Can we wrap up? It's twelve thirty. Um. Yeah. All right. Yeah, very we, good. We, Find we, everything yeah. else at glennclarkradio.com. Tubular was also brought to you by uh, your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com. For deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Thanks today to Patrick Stevens. Thanks to all of the area lacrosse coaches. Charlie Toomey, Peter Milliman, Chris Ryan, Sean Natalin, 
Joe Amplo, John Tillman, Ryan Moran. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. If you put up with this but you're looking for more Ravens tonight, Reed and I will be... And Craig Griffin will be there. Over on 105.7 The Fan from 7 to 9. Uh, we'll do plenty of Ravens then. Anything tomorrow? Drew will be here. That's it. Cat Sports Zone Radio. That's what we That's what we had. We had an extra day to line things up, and that's what we've got. You know what? Big show. I take it all back. Maybe we don't cover. All right, never mind. Whatever. All right, whatever. We'll I hope stuffing things tomorrow. Thanks, everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, Mother's North Grill, AJ Michaels, Guilford All Brewery, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Glory Days Grill, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok mm. at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go nobody. Duke sucks.